Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 70 of Death Readers, the podcast where we're reading through books that at least I have never read before. Um, this episode is the final episode in our Harry Potter series, uh, where we're reading the last four chapters of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. If this is your first time listening, uh, I, as I said before, have never read these Potter books. Uh, Rob has read them many, many times, and he's guiding me through them uh, as a novice reader who I have. I have seen the films, but I'd never read the books. And now and now as of this recording, I have read them. I've done it. You've I've done read it. the books. I'm, I'm, I can be counted among men. Uh, or, you know, just the great people who have actually read these books. Right. You know, the, those stalwart souls who <laughs> toughed it out or who genuinely enjoyed it. If this is your first time listening, why? <laughs> why this episode? I, I don't. I feel bad for you I because mean, this is the end. 70 is 10 times a magic number. It is our. Yeah, it's our it's our, you know, Maybe. divisible number. Maybe it is our defense. It's it's going to be a magic episode because because as we've learned, seven's a magic number, mm -hmm. which means multiples of seven are a magic number, Absolutely. especially a uh, a multiple. Um, it you know if we're, if we're it's, it's if we're getting into numerology, uh, I saw something today that someone was like, "Whoa, bro!" Like someone took a real hard hit off a bong and was like, "Bro, do you even realize that like the Hogwarts Express leaves?" King's Cross in September 1st, which is the ninth month, which is like three quarters of the way through the year. Bro, nine and three quarters. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I did not see where that was. It, it all makes sense, bro. <laughs> it's all tied together, bro. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if we're going to get into the, if we're going to go that far into appreciating numbers, I guess it's kind of weird that we, we lucked into getting to 70 episodes. Um, lucked? Yeah, because there this were. This was all by design from the beginning. I mean, in the, if we're going to say in the, in the tradition of JK Rowling, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Of course we planned it from the beginning. <laughs> Obviously. There's no loose ends here. There's no forgotten notes. There's no forgotten notes we were alluding to someday wrapping up. Hey, you know um, what? I'm sorry. I apologize. No, you didn't do that is what I'm saying, because this is the the rolling way mm -hmm. is to never acknowledge that you're a hack. <laughs> that, that, that you're, you're just muddling through doing your best because that's all you can do, which is noble and Gryffindorish. It's 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 everything that a good witch or wizard should be. Oh god. Um <laughs> I signed up I signed up for cause you you did. I signed I re-signed up for Wizarding World and they tried to put me into Slytherin. I'm like, fuck this. <gasps> what did you restart? Well, no, because I had deleted my account, so when I Are you in Slytherin now? I mean I, I oh so I logged god. in, so I logged in. And they're like, hey, looks like your credentials from Pottermore. Like, you haven't been here since Pottermore. Because I forgot and I deleted. I'm like, yeah, but whatever. Like, we'll start a new thing. And what's your name? I'm like, oh, this is stupid and dumb. So I just put stupid and dumb <laughs> for my name. Right. And that's why when I got the email, you know, like, hey, welcome to, to Wizarding World. They're like, hello, stupid. <laughs> I had not even <laughs> seen that coming. I was just like, fuck you, Wizarding World. 
<laughs> so yeah. Guess what, I... dummy? You're in Slytherin. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's let's talk about that really quick though. So sure. today, on the last day of our of our podcast about Harry Potter, um, I went in to check on my Pottermore account, which I believe I had last logged into probably over four years ago. Okay. And so I was like, oh, I want to go check that out. And as we had talked about this on the podcast before that we had, we talked about our sorting with Pottermore and our Patronuses and all that other junk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but when I logged in today, it turned out that I couldn't retrieve my Pottermore account because my, the email address I used to get into Pottermore is a defunct email. It was my college email and I no longer have access to that because I guess they don't just keep them going forever. So like everything I had ever logged in with that had to be reset at a certain time. And clearly there were some things, even very important things like my Pottermore account that fell through the cracks. So I had to start over and I uh, went in and I was like, all right, I know, like I got really attached to my sorting and my Patronus and all this other thing. Not those, the two things. I don't give a shit about my wand, but like the Patronus and the, the house were very important to me. So I was like, I'm going to go in and I'm going to do it right. And if I'm, if I'm truly a Gryffindor, it'll put me into Gryffindor again and I won't have to fuck around, but the Patronus, I'm not going to let that screw me. I'm going to get a good Patronus. And so not like I'm going to find the best Patronus, but like sure. my Patronus the last time was a Black Mamba, and it was really cool to get that Patronus. Like, mostly because of your reaction to it, which I know you don't remember, but I do. Um, <laughs> I remember you remembering it. Let's say that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I went in and I redid it, and I, sure enough, right into Gryffindor. No problems. And then I go to do the Patronus thing, and I answer all the questions, and the Patronus pops up, and it's like, your Patronus is a shrew (laughs) and i was like no it isn't and so i i deleted my account and i went back and i did it again and i was like this is the true test if i'm if i'm a gryffindor because like if this doesn't if a third time's the charm and it's like slytherin i'm like damn I don't, I guess, I mean, I don't know what I would do. I don't know if I'd restart or if I would be like, I guess, I guess I was lying to myself the whole time. Right. Nope. Gryffindor right in i'm a fucking died in the wool gryffindor apparently <laughs> like so <laughs> me and me and colin creevy gryffindors griffin dead not cool man <laughs> you like dennis you don't give a shit about colin i know um but we'll like there. we'll get there we'll get there uh the uh show so i go to my patronus i do the patronus test and the second time i get a rattlesnake and i think to myself that'll do <laughs> that's fine i can accept that like i'm not gonna hunt for the very specific one over and over and over again right just to, like wasting time i'm sa- as long as it's a snake i'm satisfied so that's it now we've done it we, we, did you get a new patronus yeah i did. You, did you told me already yeah i did i i could i because I, I, I can't remember what it's called i have to look at the it's screen like a slow loris or something a pine ermine something or pine martin Pine Martin, right? Which that's like a little you, ferret, which is a little ferrety, weaselly, like you said, mongoose. So yeah, I brought up mongoose. <laughs> so we're natural like, enemies. Yeah, we've got a Ricky Ticky Tavy thing going it's on. It's a real, it's a real Hannibal Will Graham kind of thing. Apparently, I'm Ooh. the Will Graham role. I, I would certainly oh, be the I'm mongoose Hannibal? that hides. I, apparently, if you're the snake, right? I would certainly be the mongoose that hides under the house because I'd be like, "Fuck that noise! Snakes are scary." You like eating eggs too, don't you? Snakes eat eggs, man. Everyone eats eggs. Come on. I was gonna say that. I was gonna say we both we have that in common at least. Eggs are the shit. 
You don't like eggs? I don't I like hard-boiled eggs. eggs. I don't like hard-boiled eggs either. The hard-boiled eggs can go suck an egg, really. I like uh, deviled eggs. Oh, see, oh, can't do any kind of hard-boiled. Soft-boiled I'm with. I guess some of us like eggs more than others. That's what this podcast is about, ladies and gentlemen. It's about who, between the two of us, can talk about, without getting sidetracked, our love of egg eating for the longest. It isn't you, you may have thought you tuned in the 70th episode of a show about Harry Potter to hear us talk about the final, ultimate finale of the, of the series, nope. but... We're going to sit here and talk about whether or not we like certain types of eggs. Uh, poached? <laughs> poached are good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, how about you like those? You like your bennies? I like my, like, like I have my bennies. I like uh, Sunny Side Up. It's a one that I've come to recently. Oh, I used, really? I used to think they were really, you know, going to be runny and gross, but really you just put a lid over them and that kind of steams the right. whites. Perfect. Didn't realize that. See, I have a trouble with the the fried egg, mm-hmm. where like I can't time it well enough to, or flip it well enough mm. to keep it to keep the yolk from cooking. I mean, I only uh, recently figured out that that's the over part of over easy or over medium is they flipped right. it over. Right, there's like a whole right. code when you order eggs. Yeah, there is. <sighs> so Harry Potter, will you will you stop eating? Um. Because Harry Potter, it's right? Because Harry Potter. If you, if you, even, do you even read? See, that's two in a row. That's, that's good. You do well in Slytherin. Sorry. Um, it would be great uh, so, to know. <laughs> so, uh, the podcast that we're supposed to be doing. If this is your first time listening, because that's where I last left off. That's right. In my <laughs> diatribe, um, we recommend that you read through these books and read through the chapters with us so you can keep up with what we're talking about. Because the way we're going to go through this is we're going to analyze them by notes we took on the pages as we read through them. Mm-hmm. So we go in chronological note page order um, between the two of us. And we get into talking about it as we do that. So I believe, though, that besides the... Uh, Relogging into Pottermore, or I guess it's called the Wizarding World now. Yep. Uh, besides that information, I think there was some housekeeping to be dealt with. Fi- the, the final housekeeping. So all here's the thing. So my housekeeping from the last episode was trying to find the passages where Harry talks to Trelawney about his uh, death or his like uh, he predicts his own death. Right. And I think what I learned was that I was mixing up two separate in like two separate and distinct concepts. Okay. There was a, a section in the book where Harry and Ron make up their uh, divination homework and they submit fictional homework right. that happens to kind of predict the events of the Goblet of Fire, which I think I was mixing up in my memory with uh, Trelawney r- routinely predicting Harry's death. Right. So I think I mixed those things up in my head to be Harry predicted his, his own death correctly um because i i tried my hardest without rereading three books to find like anything about this subject and i couldn't the best i could find were these two separate things right so i think the unfortunate truth is the housekeeping is i misremembered something so but that's perfectly uh, perfectly acceptable yeah i guess i mean but i think it really speaks to a big tenet of our show a big philosophical like tentpole of our of our show which is memory is fallible like you may remember enjoying these books you may remember (laughs) them as good books but i implore you to go back and read them with a critical eye and think are they really that good or was i just a child a simpleton of age uh a mental 
house elf, if you will. Ooh. Like I just just really underdeveloped. Like like your reading ability at seven or eight is the same as a uh burned and scaled withering husk of a person's soul that lives in another person's soul that just sits there weeping and crying because you're not really able to do what you should be able to do with your cognitive reasoning abilities. So I say now unleash your inner adult. Yeah. Like expecto patron you. (laughs) You're so proud. (laughs) Expecto patron yourself. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, um, I th- so that, I think that wraps up my housekeeping. You, you didn't have any, did you? No, I didn't have any housekeeping this time. Okay, okay. Um, damn, fuck. This is it, man. Um, okay, so that brings us to chapter 34. The Forest Again. My first page note is page 694. I don't have a page number note. I've got... <laughs> I'm not going to read it right now, but it's just amusing because it's because I wrote, I don't have much to say about this chapter. And then I have like a paragraph. <laughs> so I really nice. remember oh. what I read or read and wrote because I read this a couple of days ago. So what, 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 tell me about 694. Page 694 is when they clarify that Colin Creevy is dead. Mm-hmm. And I wrote down, thank goodness Dennis is okay. <laughs> For some reason, um, I think. Do you remember back when we were recording book two and I said I was watching the movies and also reading the books to my daughter and also listening to the audiobooks all at the same time or some insane shit like that? <laughs> sure. Um, I had gone through seven again. Maybe it was the time I read it to her. I don't remember exactly how it was. But whatever point during this podcast, I had reread book seven or re-experienced it and was surprised because I thought I, re- I had misremembered, like you were talking about earlier, uh, Dennis and Colin dying, but it was just Colin. Oh, wow. It was very odd, I, except I thought it was the Creevy brothers who had both perished, but it was just wow. Colin sneaking back like an idiot. Well, like a Gryffindor would, but which isn't the same as an idiot. I didn't say it's it. Just, you said. I didn't. What? You just did <laughs> yes, say. I did, I, did say, I did say what I said. Right. I did say. Yeah. And I didn't say what you said. Good. You don't have the bravery to say what I said. It's true. (laughs) Um, And I don't have the cunning not to say it. I don't know what that means. I'm just trying. Just trying. Um, Interestingly, to to bring it back to uh, the Wizarding World, the the Pottermore thing, there's a section on there. This is relevant to Dennis Creevy. Sure. Um, There's a section on there where you can, like, pick your favorite like food from the Harry Potter world and mm-hmm. your favorite animals and your favorite, uh, like your favorite Quidditch team. Okay. And you can identify your favorite characters. And so I went into the character section and I was like, Dennis Creevy, where is he <laughs> putting him in here? He's not there. Dennis Creevy is not an option. What? In the wizarding world character list for your favorite character. Well, that's bullshit. Colin is. But Dennis isn't. Do they do they even have an other where you could just type something in? I don't think so. That's bullshit. Because I think you could you could write like uh like fart liquor or something. You could write something vulgar that's and true. horrible. That's true. And and then that would be on their page. So they don't want to give you that freedom because that's you know awful. Um, that's anarchy. They want you to only choose from their selected choices. So I say, 
if you're listening to this, listeners, at Wizarding World on Twitter or, or your social medias and, and demand that Dennis Creevy be added to the list of possible favorite characters in your Wizarding World profiles. Because, let's be honest, nobody's braver than Dennis Creevy. Justice for justice for Dennis. You, you know why? why? He's so, like, like, it's because his bravery is too powerful to be put on the page. Mm-hmm. Like, he, that's why he's not in these stories more than, than that one book. He would outshine everybody. Yeah, that, that book three, right? That's Prisoner of Azkaban? Yes. Yes. Yeah, he's too he's too powerful. Like, she couldn't even introduce him until book three. And then he was so strong and commanding <laughs> that she could only give him a couple of lines even in that book or else, like, all attention. It would be... So when you're writing a story, you, you don't want to give th- two powerful moments to your to someone who's not your lead because your lead needs to be the thing that the audience interacts with and, and is interested in. So if you give those moments, if you she told the story about how Dennis Creevy was amazing and awesome, it would be like Harry Potter and the oh Dennis Creevy's better, he gets to take the title of the book. Then it would just be Dennis Creevy's series. Yep, it Can't was actually that. book four, I believe. I believe they're two years okay. apart. Um, okay. So yeah, she, she couldn't even she couldn't even introduce him to book four. He's too strong. I mean, what's the first thing he does? He doesn't he like jump out of the boat and like fight the no, giant squid. No, he dunks squid? his head in the water. He like he he. My memory is that he sees that there like is a giant squid and he's like really, and then he like dunks his head in there to get a like a better look at it or something, and then he comes back out or I don't I it's something like that. It's something really awesome. <laughs> it's something way cooler than anybody else has done in the series. Those creepy boys, they're the best. So yeah, justice for fucking Dennis. Um, uh, 703 is my next note. Go for it. And and that note is just, see, I knew Hagrid wasn't dead yet. <laughs> um, you did. You didn't though. You you said you weren't going to comment at all. So I don't. I can't. I can't agree well, with that. Well, okay. Let me rephrase. I I am. I feel vindicated in my refusal to acknowledge. Fair enough. I can't like, argue with I, that. I, right. There's nothing I, feel I can like say. I was correct in not letting her trick me. Into believing that he would he was swall- swallowed by spiders, I think is how you put it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Hagrid's Hagrid's too tough. He couldn't die. He's still Can't out die. there somewhere. <laughs> like Bigfoot. Yeah. Like Bigfoot. Harry from Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, my... Hagrid and the Hendersons. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Um, I all I have left is an overview. Um, okay. Um. Then let me read mine because I'm even, I don't honestly remember what I wrote, and I don't know if it's an overview or a reaction to the chapter as a whole, which, which is an overview. Yeah, I understand. I don't have much to say about this chapter other than it is good. Hmm. Much better than a few lately. Makes me wonder if she'd written this earlier. There's a flow to it that doesn't feel like a rote slog. It feels loving in a way, not not the grind of getting to the end. And then I wrote in parentheses, Teddy could have been peppered in. <laughs> which the the baby yeah why did you want that i don't know <laughs> i don't know what that he's means. a baby um just like recognizing that te- like admitting that teddy will have to grow up an orphan now because both of his parents are dead yeah like you mean that like a, like it would be nice to have that realization now like some sort of acknowledgement that teddy's gonna but, be but an this orphan? is where he's in the forest right with the stone and the parents and everybody shows up yeah, uh, like yeah, like Remus should have said. So, they they talk about it. He says something like he, he regrets that Teddy will. He does say that. He says like he regrets that he'll Teddy will grow up like without him and he won't be able to like experience him. But he says something like, uh, "But I 
I, I died trying to make the world a better place for him, which I think is all you can expect a parent to do, or maybe like the I most mi- you can expect. I have no fucking clue what I wrote that for. Well, I'm sorry. I need to take notes on my notes. Apparently, so this is the second time in as many episodes that notes on my notes would have helped. It's a good thing it's the last one. You can't make this mistake again. Well, I I find a way. <laughs> yeah, you think you th- you think you've done something with that statement. You think you're clever. You think you're so fucking clever. A, you think you are. You about. think you're so fucking clever, girl. Um, let's see. The uh... hold on. Give me a moment to not pass out. Okay, go ahead. What's your overview? <laughs> Well, I have to stop myself from doing a Nedry laugh. <laughs> um, you think you're so clever, John? <laughs> you think you could? <laughs> not, it's not important right now. Um, my uh... <laughs> what's your overview? I really I like this chapter too. I'm I'm gonna tell you what I think you meant with what you've said. <laughs> Why fuck? We don't need that. To, okay, go for it. Um, I always appreciate hearing me. Yeah, said better. There, there's a really powerful uh, visual uh, uh, or, or, or there's a powerful illusion in this chapter, mm-hmm. and that al- illusion is Harry is literally a dead man walking. Mm-hmm. He's walking towards his death willingly consciously uh reluctantly in some way like he he's he's willing and reluctant he's 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 holding back he's not racing to die he's slowly passing over and through the rubble of his life he's passing through the destruction that his existence as he sees it his life has caused Mm -hmm. and he's 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 being confronted with all of that being confronted with all the people who have died around him, the people whose names he doesn't even know who are dead because he committed to fighting this fight and, and committed to finding the Horcruxes and, and destroying them. And that these people all died without even knowing why. And the, the beautiful thing about that is that he, he also does that. This is the thing that really got me is that he does that while wearing the invisibility cloak, which essentially makes him a ghost. Hmm. Like, he's essentially like a living ghost walking through invisibly the rubble and destruction of his life past his loved ones, like like a ghost would, like right. around the people that he loves with full acknowledgement or understanding that he loves them and he wishes he could interact with them, but he can't because he is in another world. He's, he's separated from them in this very real and physical way where if he does interact with them it will it would it would destroy things it would make things worse it mm-hmm. would, and it's so he has to like whereas a ghost can't do it because of physical problems harry can't do it because he knows it will make things worse for them he can't stop with Ginny and hug her and tell her he loves her or anything he has to let her be i and like and he never has a moment where he acknowledges that with her like they don't because of the way this book ends so abruptly right you don't ever get to hear any of these conversations that you're kind of fascinated to hear right absolutely that, that come later absolutely but we can but get to that later she but like, uh, no but she um she even like 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 a person haunted by yes. a ghost like senses something yes yes that's, that's a really like the, really good observation it's it's that like sixth sense like the room goes cold the mm-hmm. hair sticks up at the back of your neck these these otherworldly 
sensations happen and you sort of know. And I just thought that that was really like that, dude, this is what I'm talking about. When, like when you said it felt not rushed, it felt like it was written before. I entirely agree. I don't know about it being written before or, or anything like that, but the way it was written was written as if she was actually giving a shit. Right. This there is was one care. of those moments where she shows and doesn't tell. Mm-hmm. She, she does exactly what good authors do. And she lets she paints a picture with words. She doesn't give us an instruction manual. Like she doesn't walk us through like it's not like a Lego instructions where she's like, and then you put this piece here and this piece there and then you get, you know, a Lego uh, Hogwarts. Like it's 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 like you the reader read this thing and you realize, oh, my God, he's a ghost. Oh, my God. He's this is so poetic and poignant and like. Hard, like really well done and beautiful and tragic it's it's like one of the first times maybe maybe the first time this is so fucked up dude i'm just realizing this this might be the first time i actually feel bad for harry potter in this whole series because and it has everything to do with how she wrote it mm-hmm. it has everything to do with how she like sets up this like there's no more real and physical way to observe the destruction your existence has caused other people than to walk through the rubble of your own home with the dead you cared about around you. It's like Dr. Manhattan. It's like, like watching uh, or reading that section in Watchmen where Mm -hmm. like, you know, he, you know, he, he has to save other people. He gets locked in there and you're like, he's like, he's as the the prime of his life. He's going to do everything he wants to do. And he's stuck and he can't get out and he's going to fucking blow up. And then after he blows up, he can still exist, but it's not the same. It's mm-hmm. not the same life. And that's what Harry's kind of going through. And it's like all I, it's well-documented. I do not have any sympathy for Harry <laughs> when it comes to dealing with the Dursleys. This. Yeah. I think unfortunately is the first time I feel really bad for him. And it's the end. And it's yeah, how fucking tragic is that? Right. Like, <laughs> how tragic is it to have the, to read through seven books and feel like empathy. bad for the protagonist? Yeah, empathy for the protagonist at the very end, almost. And he's—it's not like he hasn't gone through a lot. Like even like watching Sirius die, even like Dumbledore dying, even mm-hmm. though even all these other things, like like every all the deaths in this book. I mean, I don't know. Like I don't feel bad for him through them. I feel bad for those people. But in this moment where he's like he's actually does something heroic. I think maybe that's it is he also is doing something heroic. Like, like he's actually sacrificing himself Mm -hmm. and he's not only is he sacrificing himself, but he's also sacrificing his, like his own, he's giving up his own hubris. Like he's giving up his own identity, his own like ego. Mm -hmm. He's giving up the idea of like, it's really important for me to talk to Ginny right now. And there, I don't, I don't think there's anybody who could have been more tempting for him to talk to we're supposed to believe right like i still don't think that relationship's developed well but like we're supposed to believe he's smitten with her another thing they did much better in the films like like half uh fucking half-blood prince like the, the way their romance romance is is built is way better than the books at least in the sense of the, at least you have a scene where it's paralleled with hermione and ron's romance right and so through hermione and ron's issues you get sort of explain to you like this is exactly like what harry's going through with jenny even though you don't really see harry and jenny anyway (laughs) um was this and this is the chapter where he ends it this is the chapter that ends with him walking to his death right he walks up to voldemort and voldemort hits him with the spell and he dies yes this is with his death right you could theoretically end the book here and it would be unsatisfying but an ending yes 
Yes. Um, this is the Harry Potter, and it's because it's so popular and quoted now. I I thought it was Harry Potter, the boy who lived, come to die, and it's not. It's just what, oh, Harry yeah. Potter come to die or something like that. Yeah. Um, it's not what it was, and I was like, oh right, that's that's in the movie. But now Harry is dead, or is he? Well, if you don't have any more notes, then that brings us to chapter 35. King's Cross. My first note is page 709. 707. One final Dumble Dump. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, okay. it's a Dumbledore info dump. Yeah. Yeah. But that's basically my note, too. My note is <laughs> not even death could keep Dumbledore from explaining everything at the end of the book. Right? Gotta have a whole chapter of telling uh, not showing. Yep. Gotta break it all down. <laughs> like, I, I, I mean, for a book that's 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 flouted the uh, structure of Harry Potter, it, it's it's certainly familiar ground. Yeah, but like, um, I wish it had flouted the structure for a good, like for for the greater good. I don't know. Like, what did we get for flouting the structure? Camping. Yeah, like there is so much potential in sort of like a born identity style on the run. Harry Potter story like there's so much possible with that being cool mm-hmm. and it it I know we've said it before but now that we're done with it I think it's fair to say it was it really is rushed it really is poorly cared for um and I don't think that that's ex- really excusable like I'm not gonna get too upset about it but like or, or too you know soapboxy but I don't even think you can like write it off as like oh it's a kids book anymore like no. for this one like like it is but come on man like <laughs> I want I should have been interested in more of this book that's how I I mean unfortunately that's how I feel I should have been more engaged mm-hmm. than I was I was watching watching you know Half Blood Prince last night and my wife asked me what does Ron bring to the table what does he help with. And I had to say, I had to say, oh, don't you remember? It's loyalty. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he served as Harry's sort of uh, introduction to the world in a um, kind of a reverse, sur- you know, audience surrogate kind of way. He uh, took Harry by the hand and now Harry's outgrown him and doesn't need him anymore. Yeah, he took him by the hand and made him a man. Um, so the, the the intimation here was that uh, you've outgrown me. You don't need me to guide you through Harry Potter anymore. Oh, I was making a reference to The Office. Um, <laughs> I, I don't watch that. I haven't seen The Office. <sighs> it's so good. Next podcast, Rob watches The Office. Um, <laughs> just be, it would just be episodes of you. It was just two minutes of me going, wasn't that cool? And you'd be like, it was fine. And you'd be like, yeah, I loved it. I don't know about that. Um, but... Uh, I reminded her, I was like, you know, don't you, he's loyal, remember? Like, in the last book, he inexplicably returns at exactly the right moment to be heroic and save Harry from drowning himself because Dumbledore knew he would. Or some (laughs) shit. (laughs) And, and, uh, you know. Dumbledore knew he was loyal unless he, you know, didn't have a snack. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, unless he was hangry, um, which is really why you got to keep Ron at Hogwarts, where he can have the slave labor of half elves to keep his uh, like rage down, his rapacious appetite sated. 
Ugh, so gross. Um, all right. Well, that yeah, the Dumbledore exposition dumps again, yet again, even even in death from beyond the veil. They say they still... say when you die, you have one final info dump. <laughs> it's yeah. You just relax yep. and tell everybody everything. <laughs> everything just shoots out of you. Ugh, it's a mature um, podcast for mature adults. It is. All right, so you're uh, on 709. Note, well, that was 709. My next note is 710. Okay. Um, this is a, sort of a tangent, but I, I feel like we're never going to have a moment where we can talk about this again. Okay. So now we're going to talk about it. Let's do it. Did you ever, did you ever see the Lego Batman movie? Uh, I did. I did. You did see the yeah. Lego Batman movie. Yeah, I did. You remember... You remember... With Voldemort. Who plays, you remember who plays Alfred in that movie? Voldemort plays Alfred. Specifically, who plays Alfred? Uh, Ray Fine. Ray Fines, right? He plays Alfred in that movie. Who he and he's famously played who else? Uh, Voldemort. Yeah, he played Voldemort in, in 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 all of the Harry Potter films, right? I don't believe he did in the first one. I don't believe he was the back of the head. Sure. Okay, but but yeah. But third on. Fourth on, fourth on, he was definitely Voldemort. Yeah. So, do you know who played Voldemort in the Lego Batman movie? Ray Fine? No, no, not, not Ray Fines. No, no. The, the guy who played the back of the head? No, in fact, I think that Warner Brothers would probably think you're a fucking idiot for expecting that the guy who played Voldemort in all the Harry Potter movies who's already in and acting in a Lego movie where a Lego Voldemort shows up, they probably think you're a fucking idiot for expecting, or at least hoping, that he would play, reprise his role as the Lego version of that character. No. Who plays... You can ask. I'll tell you either way. Who plays Voldemort in the Lego Batman film? Eddie Izzard. But it rhymes with wizard. Sure, that's exactly why they should have done that. <laughs> that is exactly why. Now, I don't know. I don't know what the reason was. I don't know if he was just like, no, it's kind of like my character that I can only play if I'm wearing the like the garter belt and if I'm like, you know, have the the face prosthetics and stuff on if I'm in the from the makeup and the bald cap. I can really only do it if I'm like if I'm like that. And it would, you know, it, I don't want to it feels weird not being this character with the other people who were in that film. And I, I just feel like it would be disrespectful for me to play that character in, in Lego form because it was such, it's such an important part of my life. I'm inventing this for him, by the way, I don't know what his answer is, but I could accept that. I could accept like, okay, it's, it's too personal for you to reprise it in a way that isn't specifically Potter related. And, and maybe he's like a really, like he's one of those actors that has a lot of pride and dignity and is like, no, I'm doing a different character in this movie. This, this is what I'm doing in this movie. That was a different experience. Mm-hmm. That was a different thing. I'm not going to, I'm not here to be a fan service actor. Absolutely. I'm doing another character. I, I, uh, Rickman did the same thing in the clerks animated series. Really? Yeah. He was going to be the, 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 the antagonist. And when he realized it was a knockoff of Hans Gruber, he's like, I, I don't want to do that. You're and talking so, about Leonardo Leonardo? Yes, Leonardo and Leonardo. And so they got Alec Baldwin. Right. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just, that I, like I said, there was never going to be a moment where we could talk about that. 
Except it's, it's, it's kind of mind-boggling. Maybe it's a British it, thing. I don't know. I think it's worth addressing at minimum. And, and, and I think that there's never going to be a time where we could address it other than this moment. Let's, let's so. talk about the Voldemort in the room. <laughs> um. Well, that's that's it. that's that note. Uh, my next note is seven sixteen. Okay, uh, seven eleven. Got it. <clears throat> okay, so Harry's wand fighting Voldemort on its own had nothing to do with the Elder Wand. Right. It was because it was a wand Horcrux made in Book Four. Sure. What? So, according to the Dumbledum. Dumble Dump, when Harry and Voldemort's wands connected during the Priori Incantatum in the graveyard and they made the big glowing ball and the, then he reverse spelled Voldemort's wand, his wand took a little bit of Voldemort's wand into it. That's not becoming a Horcrux. It's kind of becoming a Horcrux. It's a wand Horcrux. It, it's a wand version of a Horcrux. The way, the way Voldemort unintentionally left some of his, his soul in Harry, making Harry right. a de facto Horcrux, not an on-purpose Horcrux, the wand took a little bit of Voldemort's wand into it, making it a okay. wand Horcrux. That, that's what you mean by a wand? Okay, sure, yeah. yeah, sure. And I was yeah. just like, that seems like an incredibly convoluted thing to introduce at this stage, but fine. I you could have like... just had the curse miss, and then we would have <laughs> <laughs> had paragraphs to address something else, maybe. Sure. Fine. You you introduce a thing in this book that had to be explained later, referencing a thing that we've forgotten about because we're we've moved on. Okay. It 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 literally couldn't have just been they shared cores. Yeah. And they were both being used by two guys who had parts of the same soul inside them. The, the, like, the, the I was the, I was okay with that. Man with two brain style, or 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 another Steve Martin vehicle, all of me style. The little piece of Voldemort in Harry was like, no, nah, I don't want you to kill me, bruh. Right and and controlled Harry's wand hand some shit like right. that I, fucking anything no yeah it's it's a wand Horcrux <laughs> yeah that yeah I'm with you that I, I, mean, I think I, again referencing our own show I'm fairly certain in an early early season you make a comment about something like oh believe me there's a lot of a lot more weird wand lore coming up or oh, something yeah. like that I, I think this is probably what you were alluding to yep. <sighs> yeah, because I mean, it's and it's such a because I was looking for it this time. I'm like, I want to I want to try to suss everything out and get it all all my ducks lined in a row. I want Grindelwald and Gilgamesh, whatever the fuck his name is, <laughs> Grigorovich, uh, Grigorovich, yeah, Grigorovich. Uh, I want to get if I figure all the shit out. What's a hollow? What's a Horcrux? What's why? Where? And now there's this. I'm like, fuck. This is this is convoluted. Even the line where they have the thing where he he tells Dumbledore like. Hallows, not Horcruxes, and it's like <laughs> that's why you're different, uh, man. Is that's Hallows, bro? Hallows. It just sort of smacks of like, no, no, no. It's okay to do the crusade because these people aren't Christians. Yeah, like it. It, it feels like that. Yeah. <laughs> that that doesn't feel good. <laughs> I don't like that. Hey, man! All these people had to die because you know, like, yeah, you wanted to be. We Voldemort, saved you them. Also, you also wanted to live forever. And, like, that's his deal, too. I've said it before. They're the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> kind of the same guy. Do things very similarly. I mean, I guess that's a big part of this book is making that realization, like, more, like, concrete. Mm-hmm. Less, like, you know, uh, conjecture, but more 
actuality the whole like i don't feel like it does it in a very good way though i don't really feel like it's very successful in the making you really realize how kind of dark dumbledore is because it tries it tries with things like like i think you're supposed to take the idea of oh my god he was willing to sacrifice harry this whole time and you're supposed to be like that's so horrible and it's like i don't feel like that's that horrible it's explained pretty well why he has to do that right like it's pretty clear that he knows and he has to make it happen that way because it's their only chance it's like it's dr strange giving thanos the time stone Mm -hmm. he knows that this is the only way that they can win and it looks really bad it looks like he's not he doesn't know what he's doing it looks like he's he's crazy or a coward but he's not he knows exactly what he's doing or or even the uh the idea of him having a empathy or interest in the things uh, Grindelwald was talking about like this idea of like ruling the world as like tough wizard boys that doesn't surprise me at all like that absolutely seems like a thing that very young men get in their heads absolutely like it, it is in no way like psychotic it's very normal I'm, and if this is your first time hearing that that young men I don't know about young women maybe as it goes for what you've been too but we're talking about these two young men because it's specifically mentioned in this book like the these two dudes have a thing like they're very close. <laughs> they have a lot of things in common. And one of those things is a, is a relentless ambition. And that's a thing that I've seen in a lot of... I remember recognizing it in, in boys of my age when it was at that time that you would expect these guys to be at when the, they were having these conversations with each at other. 100%. Right. So that doesn't feel psychotic or evil to me. And I think those are the those are the main things you're supposed to look at him and go like, oh, he's so he's so dark. And it's like, no, the things that make him dark are the things you're not talking about. The things that make him dark are willfully like leading, training children and, and adapting young children into like being OK with the idea of killing another person. Arguably it, it, manipulating them to, to I think it was their own idea, too. Right. That, that's that's calculating. That's really that's, that's fucking evil yeah like that's like because because those are innocents like if you think about it like those people are not you can again i think she tries really jk rowling t- tries really hard in these books to make you feel like these kids are involved they're already involved right because of the lightning bolt scar and also <laughs> that they're just wizards so it's already their business and it's like okay but they're also children like uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't like it. I don't like the feeling that like you're supposed to be rooting for these child soldiers. I know you're supposed to, it's supposed to be cool, but it doesn't feel cool. And I don't know exactly why it doesn't feel, you know, I know, I know I do know why Hmm. it's because if you look at, if you look at stories like I'm probably butchering this, forgive me if I'm wrong. Um, but in my memory stuff, a story like the giver or stories that have, kids who are forced to make really adult choices because they don't have another choice mm-hmm. are usually written better than these books. Okay. And I don't mean just written better as like a, like a insulting thing. I mean like they actually ch- tackle that subject. They actually tackle the, like the backed in a corner feeling that pushes ch- these children to make these tough decisions. And, and in these books, the more comprehensive perhaps. Yeah. Well, in these books, they're just like, they she does that thing i've complained about before where she doesn't know how to balance like seriousness and heavy tone stuff with the lightheartedness that's innate in her storytelling in this or in this world like 
it's a boy wizard book series. It's kind of hard to keep that intact like you would at the end of a 30 minute sitcom. So right. the next time you come back, everything's normal and fine. Like, you know, you can rely on it being fine next week. Mm-hmm. It's kind of harder to do that with Harry Potter when you're also introducing things like slavery and, uh, you know, class inequality and racism. Mm-hmm. Like those are those 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 also bridge along with the the fun feeling that connects every book. So do these horrible things. And I think that in other stories, in other young, like adult literature that does deal with, you know, scarier or more mature themes or more ugly truths, my my, my impression is that they, they kind of actually embrace them. And like, that's why they bring them up. These books don't feel like they embrace them, even though they bring them up. Right. They feel like they're there to be window dressing. They're there to be adventurous and exciting. And that feels cheap. That feels like carnival food. Like, it feels like, yeah, I guess it's exciting, but it makes me feel sick. Mm. <laughs> um, like, you know, you're not supposed to eat a whole brick of potato chips or french fries. Like, you shouldn't eat the whole thing. But that's what these books are. They're big bricks of potato chips. I mean, it's a pretty accurate description. <laughs> really. <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll end that rant. <laughs> That was your note, right? Like, what was, I don't even remember where we got, how we started that. Uh, Wand Horcrux? Yeah, Wand, okay, yeah, I got it. Um, <laughs> sorry, I felt like I burned, I, I think I went, like, what are those things, those fireworks called, the, like, black snakes? There's that, this, whatever fireworks snakes, or Catherine, yeah, most fireworks burn really hot and then fizzle out. That's what I'm talking about, I'm talking oh. about the ones that burn... And then just make a whole lot of garbage and then stop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, those little black ones. Yeah. I forget what... I think they're called it's black snakes. It's a snake of some like kind. Black mama. Yeah, it just, back, it just, well, it just burns back to black mama. out. Yeah. That's what, I, that's what I feel like sometimes when I talk, it's, it feels like. It's just like, when it's done, it's just like, okay, there's this weird, inert, charcoal-y mess in front of me. Did I enjoy that? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, moving on. Let's do another one. Okay. <laughs> let's do it. Uh, I have no more notes. What? For, for okay. that chapter. All right, that brings me to page 716. Okay. And this is, I need your help with this note. Okay, okay, cool. Um, Can you help me remember how, or if we ever have learned, how Voldemort's family came in to possess the Resurrection Stone? I believe it's because they too were descended from the... Paravels? No, that's that's Narnia, right? Yes. Whoever it was, though. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Um... I believe I believe old man Gaunt was when when the man came to arrest Morphin, Gaunt was there in his face and he thrust the ring in his face like, "See, we're a pure blood wizarding family. We got Slytherin's locket, and I've got this ring proving that I'm part of that other family. So fuck you, get out of here. You do you, you, you know who I am? So, because wizards are so interbred that they right. tangentially, it's no it's no I'm your father situation. But yes, I think I think they're both descended from. Okay, that that's that's why I, that was my question is because okay. then that means that Harry and Voldemort are related. Distantly, yes. Interesting. I just thought that was an interesting yeah. thing that I made that connection just now. That was it. Not breaking any new ground, but like, okay, cool. Just yeah. clarifying. Uh, my next note is also page seven sixteen. Okay. So the temptation Dumbledore felt to wear the ring was the allure of the Hallow, not necessarily of the Horcrux. Absolutely. He wanted to okay. see Ariana, I'm guessing. Maybe his mom. Right, right. He mentioned that he says exactly that, something like that. But like, 
Did, so did he not know it was a Horcrux at that time? I, no, I can't he, remember. No, he found it because it was a Horcrux and had the sword okay. ready. Um, my problem That's with right. this is Dumbledore gave Hermione the book, should have known. I, I, mean, I feel like you could have just turned it over in your hand or whatever without having to put the ring on. Yeah. So that's just that was that just a way to give Dumbledore a ticking clock because he's smarter yes. than that. Even even if he was moved so by emotion, Dumbledore's smarter than that. He shouldn't have put the fucking ring on. I mean, the idea that like he knew it was a Horcrux and chose to wear it is it feels. I mean, I think you're supposed to feel like it was a mistake. Like I think it's I think, but it's a mistake. I, I don't he, buy. Well, I think you're. I, I kind of do. I, I buy it in that sense of he's had a whole lifetime of hunting these things. Mm-hmm. The only one he's ever been in contact with that he knows for sure. Besides, well, he's had the Elder Wand, but he's also had the Invisibility Cloak, mm-hmm. and he basically disregarded both of them because they weren't the thing he really wanted. Right. He he talks about like he wants the wand because he wants to keep it from other people. Mm-hmm. His whole goal in, in obtaining it was to not use it was to make it so that he wouldn't duel people so they wouldn't be tempted to duel him about it. Like he didn't, as long as he didn't like flaunt the power of the wand, he could be a really powerful wizard that no one really necessarily wanted to fight. And therefore it would stop the like cycle of death that the death stick created. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the invisibility cloak, he even, when he talks about how he and he and Grindelwald would like have their fantasies and their daydreams about like what they would do if they had the hallows. He even says like, we both basically didn't give a fuck about the, about the stupid invisibility cloak. He's like, cause you know, we could be invisible in way better ways. Right. <laughs> like, and it's like, wait, so you were so, you love these hallows, but also fully acknowledge that one of them was probably a piece of shit that you could just hand to a child and not fucking think twice about. Cause that's what you did. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, doesn't yeah. that seem insane? Like, like I don't know of another. Here's the problem. Okay, it's 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 contradictory. There are three incredibly powerful, like magical objects. That the person who has all three is the master of death. Mm-hmm. If your character is obsessed with them, it seems kind of weird to like disregard one of them because you're like. I don't give a fuck about that. Well, it sh- but it shows this Dumbledore strength of character because he knew it was James's and it would have passed rightfully to Harry and he had it for 11 years to, p- to fuck around with and he should give it to Harry and he knows where Harry is. Oh, so- I'm no, I'm saying that his disrespect for it is 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 the problem. Oh, I oh. well, I think it, he's it, just like a nerdy collector then. I just have to have it because it's part of the collection. But he didn't. That's what I'm saying. He didn't have to have it because it's part of the collection. He gave it away because he 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 didn't he disrespected it. No, he gave it away because it was Harry's. No, he, he even says like we don't we didn't think too much about it. Him and Grindelwald, we didn't think too much right, about that it. That was because... a different point of his life where there was no Harry yet, and they didn't know it belonged to the Potter family. And he was just like, it's like fucking Lobot, man. It completes my Cloud City set. I don't give a fuck about it, but I want it because it's com- it completes the set. But he didn't want it. Is what I'm saying. Like even though he, he wanted it to complete the set, he said that. He says that. He says. No. He said we don't care about it, but we wanted it to complete the set. I swear he says that. I guess what I'm saying is like I, I still don't think that if you wanted to complete the set, then you don't like shit talk it. Number one, and then two, basically say, eh, whatever. Kid can have it. I don't care. Are you talking about Ariana, not Harry Potter? That's my that's my confusion. I'm tra- no, I'm talking about Harry Potter. I'm talking oh. about I'm talking about both James and Harry Potter. Like at no like the idea that he's just like yeah those kids have a hallow whatever like 
Like if you believe, like, let me put it this way. If you, if you believe, if you build your history or your, your world building to have these magical items that show up in the very last book, they show up as these, oh, these so important things, but they're just in the last book. They're, they're so important. The whole, everything's built around them, but you don't really ever hear about them until the last book. Um, you have that. You should really have your characters respect them. And I don't, it just doesn't make sense to me. I guess all I'm saying, it doesn't make sense to me that he would say, eh, I don't care. And then in actions also just hand them off to children or, or allow, allow them to be like, imagine how many times they've, they've confiscated the sort of Gryffindor from someone. It's an immensely powerful magical object that they need to keep out of the hands of crazy kids. Mm-hmm. If if they're it's the same with the Marauders map. If they if the Marauders map was ever discovered, like I wouldn't be surprised if the if the headmaster of Hogwarts would would confiscate it. The same thing in theory should have happened with the invisibility cloak because it's really powerful. Right. But like, it, and and Dumbledore would disregard it because he's he has power that can be better than that, I guess. But like Harry doesn't. Right. So so if it's such a magical item, like why would you hand it off? As if it could just easily be like destroyed, replaced, and it wouldn't mean anything. I just find that odd. Sure. Um, Do you think you would have given Harry the invisibility cloak if Harry had been sorted into Slytherin? I'm just just, just occurred to me. I'm just curious. Uh, I think probably because he really he doesn't seem to care about Slytherins in that way. Mm. Everyone else seems to, but Dumbledore. I think Dumbledore pretty much tried really hard to treat them equally. That's my impression of yeah. how he, I mean, aside from how many points he assigns to Gryffindor out of his ass. Right. Like, um. Well, I mean, he shouldn't keep the Gryffindor points up there. Well, he, you know, that's gross. What you've said. Um, <laughs> you brought it up. I mean, it's already, you know, it's, it's, it's already a mature podcast for mature adults. Let's, Absolutely. Why not just, you know, drag it through the dirt? Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean that I don't know. I just don't I find that weird. Like if you're if you're playing a video game and you're and you had three objectives of obtain three magical objects and one of them really wasn't that beneficial for your like playstyle, you'd still go get it. Yeah. And you'd still be like, "Well, now I have it. I got it. It's not that big of a deal. It's just something I need to collect." Like you said, part of the collection. He doesn't do that. He just says like, "Ugh." I think she tries to explain it like he's like, oh, I, I just gave up the hunt for them. Well, yeah, he's older now. That's what I'm saying. It's like f- at least 50 years, arguably 100. Um, because I think in some apocryphal interview she's mentioned Dumbledore was like 150 or something. I don't know. They uh, mention it in 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 the Harry Potter and the and the Half Blood Prince in the film that I just watched. Oh yeah, they mention that he's, he's 150. Yeah, they say it, or or, or or is it or is it like Ron saying he's got to be like? But but I mean by the power of J.K. Rowling, it supposition equals. It is fact. exactly that, and because it's the power of J.K. Yep. Rowling supposing things, it's a hundred percent fact. Sure, absolutely. They, they literally just cackle and laugh at that as if it's a joke, and it's like apparently it's not a joke because that's <laughs> that how she is writes in stone. <laughs> yeah. Um. So so it was a young man who was hunting them, and an old man who gave it up. It's 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 basically <sighs> two different people. I guess, I mean, I, I guess it just feels like, it feels like if the dude knows he's got two hallows, the two hardest to get, the two most powerful hallows, and he knows where the third one is, before he puts on that fucking ring, he goes and gets that hallow. He goes and gets all three of them together. He calls Harry Potter. He's like, dude, uh, you got that invisibility cloak? You got it? I need it. No big <laughs> deal. I just need it. Don't ask questions. I'm your headmaster. <laughs> Accio cloak. 
Doesn't work. Yeah, I know. Doesn't work. Anyway, I don't. I don't. I feel like I lost track of my rant, but I don't know. Just don't like it. <laughs> Page seven nineteen. Okay. Is that me? Yep. Remember, I'm done with the chapter. So I was just noticing that uh, Harry doesn't have a scar in his uh, his death world in his King's Cross world. Mm-hmm. Uh, his his plane of non-existence. Yep. But mm-hmm. Dumbledore's nose is still broken. Yes. And I thought that was probably because uh, it's like Harry's personification of Dumbledore. Like it's it's either. It's like how Harry thinks Dumbledore looks. Very possibly. Uh, you'll notice that you'll notice that Dumbledore doesn't show up naked. He shows up dressed in his in his blue robes, mm-hmm. um, with a broken nose. Harry shows up naked, no scar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's that line at the end where he says, "You know, of course it's all in your head, but that doesn't mean it's not real." Kind of thing. So my my guess is that my interpretation of this chapter is that because there's too much information that. Dumbledore gives Harry that Harry could not possibly know, mm-hmm. could not possibly assume, presume, intimate, I think is the word. Mm-hmm. He he must be actually communing with a dead man. Yes. Is how I'm looking at it. But the way he envisions that dead man is based on his memory of what that guy looks like, which is why I think Dumbledore has that line where he he says, you're going to have to tell me where we are, Harry. And then Harry says, King's Cross. And Dumbledore goes, oh, interesting. And I think that's because... Dumbledore's spirit, which is also there, or whatever his essence is, sure. that is actually communing with Harry, is in a actually different place. Doesn't see the same things Harry sees. Probably sees Harry wearing different clothes right. or looking a different way. Anyway, I just wondered if you had thoughts about that. Um, no, I mean it sounds completely reasonable. The only uh, the nose thing, I think it could. I think it's most likely what you said, um, or it could just be leaning into the idea that he kept it broken because it's a guilt break. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to be with him forever because he feels guilty and, you know, Aberforth punches him at the funeral and he's like, I fucking deserve that. I'm going to carry this forever with a deviated septum because it's my fault that my sister's dead. Um, but so more... like even, even in his spirit, he's, yeah. co- he's, yeah, it's, he it's in the fucking scar. core. Yeah. Right. Um, but most likely I do think it's Harry. Harry's building Dumbledore. Right. He's creating the vessel for the Dumbledore essence to speak through. Right. Yeah. What's that other, there's another movie that does that too, or another story that does that where someone's like, hey man, I'm not really that thing, this is just how you imagine me. I've seen that a couple times. I think the one I'm thinking of is probably like the Matrix, like when they meet the uh, the Oracle, or they meet the uh, mm-hmm. uh, the other guy at the end of the last movie. Oh, so I never the, saw that one. Oh, okay. Um, the Architect? I've heard about it. Yeah, 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 okay. something like that. Um, Maybe it's that, I don't know. Okay. That's the end of my notes. All right. For that chapter. That brings us to chapter 36. The flaw in the plan. My first page note is 728. 724! My lord. My lord. It was Bellatrix's voice, and she spoke as if to a lover. And the world of fan fiction quaked. <laughs> Quivered. Sure. Gross. Um... No, I just, I mean, so much came from that that, uh, well, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but... Uh, oh, interesting. Interesting. Uh, don't spoil anything for me. But uh, I'm sure there's um, a lot of slash fiction about uh, Be- Bellamort. 
Ew. Vol- Voldatrix? Um, how would, how would you, how would you, how would you ship them? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say. Okay. I'm very interested, but okay. I think that it's... Um, I mean, you'd, you'd have to understand that there was something there from the last book or the beginning of this book, like where there's that whole thing where she, he's like he's like cucking her husband. Mm-hmm. Like that was pretty clear in yeah, those yeah. in those first chapters. Absolutely. So like, I don't I mean, I get what you're saying about this moment. I have a feeling I understand what you're alluding to. Um, but like, I feel like if, if this is the moment people were lo- looking at, they weren't looking very hard at the other stuff. No, that's true. No, I'm just saying I, I feel like this probably inspired so many. Hentai. Voldemort's That's the, the old looking for. bad boy. Yes, and hentai's also. <laughs> Dementor tentacles. Dementicles. Ew. Hey, you said hentai. I mean, that word is so. No, associative. you associate those two words. Together. No, everyone does. Everyone. That's that's bigotry. Yeah, it probably is. Um, seven twenty-eight. Mm, 728. You okay, should probably you go, go first. first. Jinx. All right. Counter spell or counter what? curse. You said jinx. I said counter curse. Fuck. Protego. <laughs> Look at you learning spells. I'm so proud. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. What is my life? Harry Potter is dead. He was killed as he ran away. I just, I, I'm like, fucking, that's lame, dude. Don't be a lame bad guy. Which I way? liked it. <laughs> Like, don't, don't, why you gotta be so evil, Voldemort? Shit. Yeah. Why do you gotta be such a bad guy? You know, I liked you until you were the villain. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's just, it's just one of those. I'm just like, man, fucking Harry did exactly what you wanted. And then just to misrepresent your, your opponents that way is just such a shitty thing to do. <laughs> wow, you're really upset that he's a bad guy. <laughs> it, really, it really bothers me. <laughs> Wow, that's really interesting. I like that you're addressing it because it's like I, I guess I would expect you to have those feelings and go, "Yeah, he's a bad guy," but instead <laughs> well, you're like, "Stop being a bad guy." <laughs> well, you could be a bad guy that you know arguably slaughters children, but fucking have some convictions, man. <laughs> yeah, have some scruples. Yeah, Jesus. some scruples. Where's your honor, Voldemort? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what's your seven twenty eight? Because it's just, just I'm just, dis- I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Yeah, my 728 is kind of it's kind of a non note because I think it gets addressed. It basically gets addressed later and I have another note sure. later, but I'm just going to bring it up here anyway. Sure. Uh, it, it, I, I, I feel like it was out of character for the centaurs to not fight against Voldemort from the beginning. And I, I, I think that my main argument for that was if you look at oh, how funny, real nice. What? Your main argument? Yeah. Main? Like 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 a horse? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. <laughs> you you sure you don't mean like a lion? No, no horses have manes. Or like a griffin. Gr- gr- horses have manes? Yep. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh if you think about how like how much shit they gave like umbridge it just seems like they're a pretty like they're a warrior species like they're a warrior people like it seems like that's what they do and to hear to read these these pages where she's like 
like talking about how like the death eaters are like shit talking them in the forest just feels like why didn't they fight in the first place i don't understand because they, their... they would get real they would threaten children with death if they walked into their forest but now that there's an actual threat here they're kind of cowardly i don't it just feels out of character that's it that's all it, i'm saying because it's their policy to not get involved but it's but that's not their i don't threatening someone is getting involved i guess is what i'm saying but that was they were it was i mean that well again it, it gets it, the problem itself takes care of itself because she lets them literally be the cavalry so <laughs> yes she does um I, you're not wrong. I think she just wanted to have that Helm's Deep moment. Yeah. But that Helm's Deep moment comes, you know, halfway through the series, not at the very end. And it also comes at the expense of them being kind of cowardly in this other moment. Right. Which doesn't fit. Right. If if it had literally been something like, we can't find the centaurs. We don't know where they are. They're not here fighting with us and we can't find them. Mm -hmm. Where could they be? If only the centaurs were here lines like that you put that shit in there adds mystery it gives them a reason to be the cavalry later and show up on the fucking east like of helm's deep like <laughs> you look to the east on the sun on the the, the first sun of the first light of the second day or whatever it is mm-hmm. um yeah sure but that's not what she did no she had them hiding in the trees being mocked and then come to fight <laughs> I, it just seems weird because hagrid yelled at him man that was that was their Saint Crispin's Day speech, I guess. <laughs> Weird. Anyway, that's my that's my note for seven twenty eight. It's a good observation. Better than uh, mine. Notes... Just Voldemort's apparently a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see this? He's like a dark wizard. What like, a dick. He's like, he's like the darkest wizard. Friggin' a man. I did not expect that. <laughs> Talk about a character turn at the end of the series. My next note is page 732. Okay, that's one before mine. Ooh. The quote from the page is, and then many things happened at the same moment. I know that you are not a fan of, and then many things happened at the same moment. Moments. Um, it is the second time <laughs> that that has happened in this book. It's 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 a, where she has written that same sentence. It's a device. I've, I'm telling you, I've, other people have used it. Um, so you think she are? Here's what I guess I'm wondering: Are you not a fan of the device, or does she execute it badly? I don't. I think it's both. Okay. Um, I think that it's. I think it's the wording, specifically for me, because it's like you're not describing any of the things that are happening at the same moment in that sentence. You're prefacing, I don't want to take the time to tell you how these things are happening at the same moment, so I'll just tell you instead, they're all going to happen at the same moment. And then you just list them? You don't like that? Yeah, that's all she's doing. She's just kind of bullet pointing the things that are all happening at once. So it's like an outline. Yeah. If you write, how here's how I would have, I would prefer it. Just, okay. It's just a personal preference thing. I, I, sorry to anyone who's listening and thinks I'm an asshole. Um, you describe the first thing you want to describe happening, and then at the end of the description you say, and at the same moment lead into the second fucking thing that's happening simultaneously as if in the same like you know at the same time this also happened but because the, these almost every time she does this it's its own paragraph mm-hmm. it's like it's its own sentence and its own paragraph that breaks up what's ever happening and just says hey big red flag we're shifting gears a whole bunch of shit's about to happen buckle up 
And then we get into that and I don't like it. Like I, I feel like I, so I feel like I, I don't mind many things happening at the same time in a story. That's how life happens. Sure. Like you've ever, if you've ever been in a crisis situation, like that's what's happening. Like some, some, a bunch of things are happening all at once. It's true. But like, just show me them all happening at the same time. Don't tell me that they just happened to happen at the same time. It, it breaks Walk. the um, suspension of disbelief and you and reminds you of reading a book. Yeah, kind of. But it's it's also just, yeah, I guess there's some of that. But it's also just, I don't think it's good craftsmanship. Sure, sure. Like if you bought a table and one of the legs was uneven, you'd go, why is that fucking leg uneven? That's how this feels. It feels like an uneven table leg. It's like, ah, it's irritating me. Something's wrong here. Shouldn't be there. Shouldn't be like that. Whatever. Who do I know? What do I know? She's she's better at everything else than I am. So, next um, notes. Well, next notes, 733. Uh, I have also, one on that page, too. in the uh, vein of craftsmanship, mm-hmm. um, I went as far back as Neville stepping out of the crowd. Uh, okay. And from that time to him cutting off Nagini's head, the snake's position, as far as I read it when I reread that section for this, uh, the snake's position is not established. Right. As far as I could tell. Um, did I miss it? Did you Did you notice it? Because um, it makes his pivotal moment of cutting the snake's head off almost missable. I can't remember if, if... I can't remember how or when it goes from being around Voldemort's neck to somewhere where Neville would be close enough to attack it, unless it's always around his neck. And I, that when <sighs> Neville gets the hat placed upon his head, because I think Voldemort puts the hat on his head. Right. Maybe when it sets on fire, he's he's close enough to Voldemort to take a wild swing at him and it cuts Nagini's head off. Sure, but I mean, I feel like Voldemort put the hat on his head and the snake, you know, hissed or something, some line about where Nagini is would have made that because otherwise it's just never so cut the head off. You- you're saying you went back and reread this yes. to double check and yes. you didn't see it. Right. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 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 I didn't just okay. read through it and go, what? No, I went back to, I'm like, I didn't go back. That's, that's, so I guess my point is I didn't go as far back as Voldemort stepped out of the forest with Harry Potter's body saying, right. look at your right. dead hero. But I don't think I should have had to from as far back as Neville right. standing forward and saying, no, we're going to fight you. You suck. And there's like two more pages Somewhere in right. there, the snake should have been established or reestablished. At least right before it's decapitated. Yes, absolutely. Right. The snake slithered off Voldemort's neck and they have confusion to attack what it, you know, to, to defend its mast. Some fucking thing. Something. Um, and that was bad. That's, that's, you've you've talked about her having uh, spatial issues. Spatial issues before, and this is a big one for me. Yeah, I, I, I feel you. I'm, I'm disappointed that I didn't notice it because. I think it just is a it's part of what I have a problem with with everything happens at once is it's just like I'm going to write the things I want to happen but I'm not going to do it well. Right. So you're going to have to keep up and just ex- and you know but no I mean like what will like it's because things are chaotic so if I leave information out it's like that's to give you a sense of how chaotic it is. You can write chaos. Sure. You can clearly write chaos. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that'd be like that'd be like uh, the opening of Saving Private Ryan. You're like oh, several things happen at once we just spin the camera really quick Battle of Normandy right. is over. Or like you, or you cut to like an interstitial title, and it just says several things happen at once, and then you're in a completely different movie after that. Like, <laughs> like, so, like you start like okay, imagine, imagine, okay, I'll, this is great. Imagine you're watching a film uh-huh. where Michael Jordan has in is has a baseball career, 
and he's like really failing at it. He's doing a really <laughs> hard, like bad job. And he goes home and he sees his family and he's like sort of downtrodden. He was this famous basketball player, like the best basketball player ever. And he just sort of bummed out because he wanted to be a baseball player because this what his dad wanted for him. And then his dad was horribly murdered. And so he's like trying his best to fit like to do this thing for his dad, but he's just not good enough. And so he goes home and he's like just trying to like struggles with that reality. And then several things happen at once. Cut to he's in a cartoon world. <laughs> he's playing basketball with the Looney Tunes. And he's fighting. He's in the, and the basketball game is for the sake of Earth. And if he doesn't win, then a bunch of aliens like like he, are gonna take are gonna enslave the Looney Tunes. And that just that just happens. Suddenly you're there, and it's your job as the audience to just accept that that's what's happened. And Bill Murray's there. Uh, Bill Murray's there. So is so is uh, Wayne Knight. Wayne Knight. Yeah, Wayne Knight's there too. It's a really really good example. <laughs> if you don't have the connective tissue I'll uh, like as ridiculous and cartoonish as it is in that film you'd feel like you were in a different movie <laughs> like you'd feel like you were in, and presumably you went into watch fucking Space Jam and you didn't know right, that right. it was a movie where Michael Jordan plays basketball with Looney Tunes like if you didn't I'm not know that any matter of preserves there's no marmalade there's no <laughs> jelly side side note to your tangent yeah. Was Michael Jordan's father murdered? Pretty sure. Oh, in I, reality, his father was pre- murdered. Oh, I Fairly don't. certain. I feel like I need to look that up no, now. I, it, I feel like I maybe have heard someone else talking about this, but... Oh, he's, he's actually looking it up, folks. This is happening. Live, on the air of this pre-recorded show. Michael Everett Jordan Sr. was... Two men are serving life sentences in prison for the death of Michael Jordan's father, James. Oh, James. It's basically James. <gasps> James. Yeah, says murder in all the things I'm looking up. Just like Harry Potter. His father, James, was murdered. Think about it. And Michael, Michael Jordan is the chosen one. Michael Jordan's the, the, the boy who lived. <sighs> that, okay, so here's the problem I have with that line. Is boy, that this is a hoops? real murder? Okay. This, is, this is a real murder. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's dad was really murdered. <laughs> That's not really funny. I, this is one of those this is one of those moments where you're having to like counsel me on my yeah. sort of empathy and humanity again. Yeah. No, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I I, I can re-examine this. <laughs> yeah. Um Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So so, you know, just know that <laughs> when you make jokes about it. <laughs> Just it's know. More, of a, more of a reference, really, than a joke. Sure, I'll, you can have that too. Um, um, but but I, I but your point you stands one. either way. Cool, cool. cool I think cool, I think cool. we've all uh, learned something. Apologies on behalf of Rob, well, I didn't who was say, the person who oh, said you're that. Apologize. I see. Once again, uh, people apologizing for me. I feel like from, if I from me, felt an apology who was, was trying to necessary. I would have given the apology. I just um, don't want to be hmm? responsible for what he says. Is all I'm saying. Like I don't. You have to understand when I was laughing, yeah. I was laughing at Rob for being so heartless <laughs> and cruel. And because that is something to be ridiculed and mocked and chided wow. and derided. Wow. But I, that's that's why I was laughing. And as I said, as, as, uh, laughing, not indi- indicative of guilt. 
Mm-hmm. Neither is giggling. Neither is chortling. <laughs> neither is chuckling. So I just want to put that out there, and I think I have Rob's consent on that. <laughs> and I think that it's really important to get on record. Um, moving well, on. Moving on. <laughs> Because sometimes, if you're really clever, you can get in trouble. Uh, and I think that's where Rob has found himself. So clever, I, think, I cut myself frequently. I don't know. What, okay. okay. <laughs> you know what the problem is? I'm mixing my metaphors. I'm so sharp sure, that sure. I cut myself. Um, yeah, that's what it is. That's yeah, exactly. I yeah, get it. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm not a cutter <laughs> because I'm incredibly clever. You know what? Because I was going to say there's nothing wrong with that. But there is something wrong with that. If you're cutting, if you're into self-harm, maybe get some help. <laughs> I feel like I'm spiraling. I'm spiraling, and I need someone to pull me out of the spiral. My next note: If only you were spiraling down a magical golf hole portal into a cartoon world where your silliness would be acceptable. But unfortunately, we live in the real world. Fluffer and fuckatash. Seven thirty-four. Seven thirty-three. Uh, oh. My note is just reminding that the the cavalry came in and they are centaurs. That's the that's the because that, that's the page that that happens. But we already talked about that. Sort of a visual pun, really. Yeah, it is. It is a, she doesn't say cavalry at all, she which doesn't. I'll applaud her for. I I would have said cavalry. I probably would have too. I would. But I, like, would I would have had to call it out. Like, see what it, I'm doing uh, here? Uh, you see yeah. it? Do you see it? <laughs> the, the, the mounted faction. <laughs> Um, 734 is my next note. Okay. Um, my note here is, and I think you said 734 too? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll, I'll, let me go first. Um, Creature gets his moment, but not without mentioning <laughs> that Regulus was his, quote, master. And I just said, like, it, I just thought to myself, is this, is this the big house elf moment at the end? This is it? So here's my 734. Okay. And with... The House Elf Battalion attacks. Joe ends the saga of SPEW. All is right with the world. Did you say Joe ends? Yeah, Joe. Like JK? Yeah. Like Joanne. Okay. Yeah. Well, it, it, it just phonetically, it kind of sounds like so ends. Like you could have also said that. And I was just making sure. Oh, yeah, no, that's what, that's what I wrote. <laughs> I wrote it really badly. You meant to write so ends, didn't you? I don't know if that's a J or an S. <laughs> Works either way. I guess. You want me to read it again? <laughs> one, one's actually a turn of phrase, and the other one is you calling <clears throat> out the author. And with the House Elf Battalion attacks, so ends the saga of SPEW. All is right with the world. I feel like that makes more sense, but it's it's okay. Either way is fine. I agree that that is the that's it. But like again, it, it, it like every other fucking handling of House Elves, hmm. she can't do it without reminding you that they're fucking slaves. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No, what this is, is wrong with her? What's wrong with her, man? Like, it's over. The books are done. Why did she do this? I, 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 because I feel she misspoke in the second book and introduced a plot line she should not have. Because she never had any intention of doing more than that. I don't think it's the second book's problem. No. No, the second book is fine. You think it's the fourth book? Because the second book, yeah, whenever they bring, I think it was the fourth book, whenever they bring slaves back, yep. um, the, the, the second book is fine. It introduces this concept of bad wizarding families have slaves. Cool. I get that. The Malfoys have a slave. That's fucked up. Nobody else we see has a slave. 
It must be only a thing that bad elves have. We can talk later as we get older and more mature about the implication of that being a thing they're allowed to do that's legally okay. And we can break down like why it's not and how like people are implicit when they don't fight for other people's equality or, or civil rights. We could get into that and it would be kind of compelling, maybe even interesting, maybe even moving and enlightening for some people. But instead, we get what, in my opinion, reads as, isn't slavery whimsical? And I fucking hate it. It is awful. It is, I, I, I want so badly to be, to have it explained to me in a way that it isn't awful. But everything I've seen Anytime anyone tries to explain why this is a reasonable thing she continues to talk about in the story feels vapid and vacant and devoid of substance. And I fucking hate it. I don't think there's anything I can offer there. I, yeah, I, I, I guess my other hope is that children who read this don't think about it in a sense. No, because like I want them to think about it eventually, but I don't want them to have the struggles I'm having as children. Like I feel like this shit shouldn't have been in these books. Kids shouldn't have to look at this and have to wonder like, oh, should I like Harry Potter? Because he's a slave owner. Should I like Harry Potter? Because he doesn't instantly like understand why all elves should be free. And then the world enforces that idea. Mm hmm. And at no point is it like brought up as an allegory for other injustices that we all entertain. I think I brought this up books ago. <laughs> this idea that like if we could compare that to something like sweatshops for our cheap clothing or migrant worker exploitation for our cheap food or like essentially like slavery in, in places like China where they make the phones we like disrespect and treat like shit Mm -hmm. so that we can afford them and, and make Tim cook incredibly rich. Like that shit like would be cool. It would be, that is where you get the justification for including it is by having the characters address that concept and talk through it together and maybe get some like, like maybe some things change in the book. And so you give the kids like a, like the readers specifically children. Cause that's what these books are for like a way forward out of bigotry, out of mistreating other people who are being oppressed. Mm-hmm. And this book does not do that. You can't give someone a sock and suddenly they're out of poverty. It doesn't happen. Like it's, it's insulting. It's revolting. I fucking hate it. <sighs> you were going to say something. Not right now. Okay. I, 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 fuck. I just want, I want, like, I've seen people argue in favor of them being in the books, like saying things like, she's not going to spoon feed us why slavery is bad. She knows slavery is bad. And it's like, yeah, I believe that she probably does, but why isn't she treating it like it's bad? Right. I mean, except, except for Dobby, why is she treating it with this idea that the character's would be heartbroken if they weren't slaves. Why is that part of the narrative? And and everything I've ever heard is people like being really, it, it freaks me out, dude. Like if you hear someone saying, no, these, they like being slaves. It's what they want. That should raise a lot of red flags about what that person thinks autonomy is like, and, and what like civil rights are like, that sounds like a person who's kind of like, 
arrested, you know, in their development towards like understanding how other people should be treated in empathy. Mm-hmm. Ugh, it boggles my mind. I, I, I want so I want so badly to be wrong about it. Like I want so badly to understand how she's not how these books are not intensely problematic for children because of this exact subject that never gets resolved. And she never leaves alone. Even in this book, the concept of Creature's final redemption is that, or like that their reconciliation with him is that, oh, they finally started treating their slave nice. Mm-hmm. Did you see that? Like the fucking, um, we, and we must have talked about this last time, but the, the, Bob, and, the Bob and Dave sketch. Uh, I must have. It's this. It, there's a Bob and Dave sketch uh, on their Netflix ch- show about like good roots or something like that. It was where they basically do like roots as if it was whitewashed and written by the the slave owners. Mm-hmm. And it's like they have. It's that's what this feels like. It feels like a mockery of this idea of there being like slaves who liked being slaves, but she's doing it seemingly sincerely. Because when the only character who she gives the opportunity to fight against the slavery, she makes her a joke in the world. She makes her efforts uh, like ridiculed mm-hmm. and foolish and unsuccessful. As you said, that was the end of Spew. That's it. It's over. The elves love being slaves. Sign sealed delivered. It's over. It's only it's only bad when when the slaves are treated badly. I, I think is the only um, yeah takeaway. Uh, yeah, slavery is only bad when you're whipping slaves. Yeah, that's the only part about it that's bad. Yeah. Is how it reads. Yeah. If you can't tell by my tone, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> that's really that's so ignorant and hateful. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude. Like the, this whole turf thing. Like people should have seen this shit coming. Like there's stuff about her that is problematic from the jump off, and like it. You read these books and it's like, why, why are no, why is no one talking about this m- m- earlier? Did parents not read these books with their kids? Did I mean, they just like, I've seen it in a couple places, but it seems to be one-off comments that nobody ever pursues. Yeah. Like, like in a comment section I've seen. Yeah. And the way she treats slavery kind of goes nowhere. The end. No one responds to that. And I'm just like, I mean, since you've brought it up I, I and, and that's. Part of what I'll get into at the end of all of this, but right. there is, um, yeah, I don't even know yet. I, 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 I'm, I'm just disgusted. Like I, it, bu- it bums me out so much. Um, cause I'll remind you someone in the production of the films had the wherewithal to not include most of that shit mm-hmm. in the films. Dobby appears again once in the films towards the end i don't think he comes back in any of the movies before the very last one no right and he does in the books he shows up oh, many yeah. times oh, yeah. in in the books four and five but, i think yeah right five but not to, in the films yeah and creature's role uh winnie completely removed winnie's gone creature has one shot i believe um creature might Creature's be in the last in the movies. Be- Creatures in the beginning of Order of the Phoenix, right? But he might be in in the in in in, in all the Deathly Hallow movies. I'm not sure. Okay, I can't. I, 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 I can't remember. I don't know. Well, we'll find out tomorrow when we record our commentaries, which will be available on our Death Readers Patreon. If you'd like to listen to the commentaries we record for the films, check out our Patreon page, and uh, you can have access to all of those things and watch them as if you're watching them with us. Yeah, it's so fun. We'll yeah, see you there. Um, we'll see you at the movies. <laughs> 
yeah so like creature creature so somebody in those films production like had the insight to be like this is all shit we can't put this in a movie this is awful no i mean like and you they said, left the, it out uh they freed dobby in two in that in, in the uh narrative that completes of his the arc. movies but also in the narrative of the movies slavery is in that sense abolished so when we, the yes. only elf we really see in the future again is dobby who comes back as a free elf with agency to help out well, we do see we do see creature, but creature isn't addressed as a slave. He's, he's, he's never called that word. Right. He's he's like a, he's like a bad butler. Right. Like he, they don't. I mean, that's my memory of it. I right. haven't seen. And, well, effectively, then he has no real anything because he's just grumbling right. in the corner. Right. Right. And 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 like the worst that he gets is kind of yelled at, which yeah. I'm not saying is like good or or anything like that, but it's not like the relationship seems different. Like mm-hmm. it's the kind of thing where like you have this feeling of like, I don't know. It, it, it's not, it's not different. It's just like they, in the films, they don't address it as slavery. They don't call him that. They don't bring that up over and over and over again. We understand contextually that I guess he must be, but like you said, in the narratives of the film universe, slavery is essentially abolished with the freeing of Dobby in our minds. Right. So, and, and they, and like I said, they don't bring it up. So it's not really, a part an active part of the narrative right it's still there it's still problematic if, if you're watching it and you're thinking about it but like unlike in the books where she really makes it much more problematic the the movies like let it go and let it end um i don't want to talk about slavery anymore like i don't okay. <laughs> i mean we can if you have more to say not really no but like i I, I'm, I feel like a really strange part of our podcast has become beating this issue to death and i i feel like i feel like she's wrong it's fair though because it's never put to bed well that's what i've been waiting for i've been waiting till we get to the end to be able yeah no i know i i know as soon as i started to realize the focus of it which has helped me contextually view these books differently um i realized i'm like oh he's not gonna be happy with this well again like yeah yeah i know you're but i mean i also am not happy with it but it's Again, more right. I will go into later at the end. End. Okay. Okay. Um, well, we can just get there at the end, and we can talk about. Every, I'm not saying we don't. We're not allowed to talk about things. Sorry, I'm not sure. trying to put up. Oh no, 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 no! I just, uh, I just, I just feel like anything I'm going to launch into is tangentially going to be in my overview of the whole series. Okay. Cool. Then we'll move forward. Um, just page seven thirty four. Disappointing house elf bullshit. Nothing's resolved. My next notes, page seven thirty six. Okay. What's that? Just feels kind of like fan service to give everybody a moment oh absolutely at this point like it kind of like i i guess i kind of want it but at the same time i'm recognizing like everybody that's what this is everybody yeah it's like oh this is the this is the the sequences in infinity war where they're just like everybody gets to land a punch on thanos give give me the gauntlet right it's my it's my 36 seconds um but hey, I would think I was wrong. I thought Trelawney might come back again. She does not. Oh, no, she doesn't. She's done. She dropped a fucking crystal ball on a dude. But she has more. And... She has the potential to come back. Okay. I don't know what that means. Stop giving me hints. She doesn't. No, no. I, that was not a hint. That was just a, uh, a thread that went nowhere. Okay. A loose one, if you will. 738? 737. Okay. Hey, look. Voldemort hissed. <laughs> yeah harry stopped hissing right now that uh his inner mort is dead yeah his inner mort and, is mort and voldemort does hiss sure does 
Still hissing. So you you called uh, that. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I'm so smart and cool. <laughs> Cl- this being all clever and stuff. Um, you said 738? Yeah. That's you. Uh, there's a thing, uh, a sort of hyperbolic dialogue that a lot of villains let it just a big, you know, operatic, Wagnerian, Shakespearean kind of talk that they do that I hate. Um, mm. It's up there with when like, authors like write verbosity. Every... What? Like being verbose? No, not not a verboseness. No, no, it's a, it's a, it's 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 it's. I'll explain it in a moment. But okay, like, sorry. but when she writes things like every fiber of my being, and and mm. I felt it with you know oh, the depths of my. I hate that shit. And when and when people and when the villain says something like you dare, I I just it just gets under my skin. Maybe because people don't really talk like that. It just it's so. <sighs> Grand, grand Gugnol, it's however you say that, purple prose, it's just hacky, hacky, yeah. Um, and I like that. I like that she kind of addressed that by Harry going, yeah, I fucking dare. I'm like, yeah, good job, man. He clapped back. Yeah, uh, I want more of that in books because I I, I don't find it realistic. I, I can, and, and if he's going to call Voldemort out on it, I can buy it. But otherwise, I hate that shit. It's, it's like in, it's what you want is you want the moment. In like it's like we live in a post Incredibles world mm-hmm. where the Incredibles came out and said this is called monologuing mm-hmm. like this is a thing that happens in this genre it's dumb we're calling it we're we're taking it out like yes. we're basically saying this part of this genre is stupid capes are stupid they're <laughs> bad for you they would be problematic let's take it out of there uh, same thing with this monologuing bullshit it never works out it, like think about it we see it over and over and over again we keep watching it we keep doing it it's hacky. Let's deal with it. Let's take it away. And, and like, that's what you want. Like, cause she sets up these moments and she gives Harry that little bit of like moment to, to say something back. Yeah. So um, I, I did appreciate that. Cause yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that before in another uh, medium. Yeah. It's just this kind of hissy, you know, Dracula E. And yeah, it's like, no, knock that shit off. We're already going to kill each other. Motherfucker. 740 is my next note. That's you. I don't believe it ever says anywhere else, maybe I'm wrong, that Lily's Patronus was a doe. I've always preferred the thought that Snape's Patronus was merely a representation of Lily, a way to keep her close while acknowledging that she was never his to truly love. Uh, that it's a copy of her Patronus? That's cool, I guess. Oh, I mean, I think there's a couple layers there that I don't like. One is that his Patronus is a copy of her Patronus. Okay, that's fine. That's a little romantic. That's longing. That's sorrow yeah that's him him con- his whole like revealed arc is that he's not a super evil bad guy yeah. he's an incredibly tragic heroic figure that symbolizes that it visualizes that for you my problem is that would her patronus have been a doe if james's patronus hadn't been a stag right that is and a big that, problem for me that me too because we don't see anybody else's patronus as having to link up just because they're romantically involved tonks who else that's where this whole thing started. This was set up in book. Her Patronus changed its shape to a wolf because she was in love with oh, Lupin. Oh, what? That's the whole thing. That was the whole thing with Tonks. That's what set that's this so, up. So that's so stupid. It's so stupid. But even then, that doesn't mean, does it mean Lupin's Patronus is a wolf? Because that doesn't make fucking sense. But no. yes, it's a way of saying, not just I'm so smitten with this person that my Patronus changed, I can kind of get behind that. But this is saying, if Lily's Patronus turned into a doe because James was a stag, or James turned into a stag, 
Because, yeah, his Patronus wasn't a stag. He turned into a stag like Remus turned into a werewolf. That's saying, I'm defining myself by you. I'm defining myself yes. by my love for you. Yes. Fucking bullshit. That's why I like the or, idea of yes. Lily's Patronus being whatever and Snape's doe has so much more depth and meaning if it's a doe because of Lily, whose Patronus was never a fucking doe. Right. That make that means so much more than right. my mother's Patronus was... Shut up, Harry. You don't fucking know. Fuck. Well, it also talks about like it's a power in I mean again it's an illusion it could be in this idea of like uh, her eyes are really important and referring to someone as being doe-eyed resp- it calls to mind like like what no I didn't even make that connection I'm just like oh shit fuck yes yeah of course, like, doe-eyed. like she like doe-eyed right like being she, really she's, moony for somebody right she's she's optimistic she's sort of like you know, full of positivity. She's like hopeful. Like I, I think that, or, or like maybe even naive, Sure. you know, uh, I think is how I interpret doe-eyed. Am I, am I wrong on that? I think so. Oh, naive, yeah, all those things, but also just kind of, a, um, I've always also included a, I have eyes for no one, but this person. Right. Just, just, just right. kind of like everything else is gray because you are the color and the light in my world. Right. Again, right. defining myself by you. Right. But like, that would make that would be so much more powerful if that was just on Snape's end. Yes, exactly. Like the the idea that she can't be her own character because she's I feel like there's certain moments where she gets to be her own character, even sometimes more than James, mm-hmm. which is kind of why I think it's so much it's so terrible that like she's not she's denied this aspect of individuality, mm-hmm. you know, in this in this, you know, I don't know. From a, from a feminist perspective, it's fucked up. Like it, it makes it feel like she's she's defined by her partner. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of like an echolocation way. of personality. Right. Even in the like, I was rewatching Half Blood Prince last night. There's that moment where Slughorn talks about Slughorn, right? Mm-hmm. He talks about the the fish she gifted her or him. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. It's a beautiful sequence. Described beautifully. Acted beautifully imagined beautifully and it, it it lends to her being this character this like m- more than one dimensional person this sweet imaginative like caring creative person uh it's it's wonderful even the moments where like you get the flashbacks to snape interacting with her she fleshes out james never gets that no james, james is a static figure J- well james uh, uh... She lets uh, the negative space do the work there because we know he's a bully. We know he's a decent guy. We do the work for her, right? Which you know we we know we've now known that she's famous for. But but more importantly, because there's so because James as a character in these books is so empty and so like essentially disinteresting. The idea that this very interesting, very creative, very well defined Lily, who's the partner, his partner gets essentially minimized to just being his partner in her Patronus, it really feels more dehumanizing or more devaluing to her because no matter how spectacular she is as a character and, and, and in these books, she's still defined as less than this other guy who's completely disinteresting. Mm-hmm. That is heartbreaking. That's That's terrible. I think we should come up with a new Patronus for Lily. Giant squid. Badass. It's my vote. I'm, I'm down with it. Nobody else has it. Just crushes all the dimensions. It's still there for some reason. Talk about an unresolved plot thread. Where, like, where's that guy at the fucking Battle of Hogwarts? No shit. He could be launching mer people out. 
yeah, how great would that be? Just right. chucking merfolk <laughs> into the into the forbidden forest. That would be cool. It's raining mermen. Hallelujah. I'll allow it. Oh, thank you. Um, Seven forty-one. That's you, man. Jeez. Harry advising remorse. I thought that was pretty unique for a final fight. Yeah, me too. I like that. That was it. Was kind of a neat. Like I don't think I've ever seen. Hey, man, just give it all up and uh, be sorry. I, I, he he absolutely knows it won't work, but I'm like never seen. It. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, it's like taking the concept of hurting other people because you've been hurt to the logical, rational conclusion of just like, okay, just admit you fucked up. <laughs> we'll forgive you for fucking up, but admit you fucked up. Like, cop to it. Stop fighting everybody to prove that you didn't fuck up and just admit that you fucked up. And I don't know. I guess I, as cool as it was to see, I kind of wanted that featured more. Like maybe the whole book should have been about that. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's such a possibly powerful. Hold on. Let's it's like the dragon and the clankers again. It's it's or it's yeah. slavery entirely. Let's fucking explore this. No, it's a line, but moving on. Cause I have it said in my head what it's going to be. Well, think about like what was what was Voldemort's original sin? Like was it truly thinking that pure bloods should be in control of the planet? I don't think so. Like I don't either. I think it was murdering his parents or his father. Oh, like, I am talking about his well, I guess I was thinking about what motivates him. No, I'm talking about his actual like the thing that he did that okay. The irrevocable step. That, yeah, the, yeah. What is, like he's he's a tragic figure up to the point where he does something sure. that makes him a villain. Sure. What was that moment? Shouldn't that be the thing that really pushes him and defines him more than anything else? And in these stories, it's not. It's not that he was abandoned. It's not that his he's a product of rape. It's not that he not that that should make you a bad person. I'm just saying, like you, these I are all horrible things someone, in his story. Yeah, yeah. I, I would empathize with someone who has baggage around that or a, a hurt feelings about that. And I would feel like that person, much like I've described again with the Dursleys, is the kind of person that should be reached out to with empathy and caring and love. Not like, like yes, those people people who have trauma can and do sometimes lash out because they're not necessarily, especially children, don't have like the best tools for how to handle those hard feelings or those tough emotions that adults also don't know how to handle. So like once you start at that level of like pain, it's kind of hard to build a concrete like foundation of a good personality or a helpful personality or a positive personality on top of that. That seems to be the case with this character. And what I'm saying is like, it would be great if that thing that happened that was that his first horrible misstep off of the, hope of a good foundation the like you said the the unforgivable like misstep or whatever like to me it was killing his father and then killing like the other people he killed in that Mm -hmm. was it everybody in that small town or was it no it was everybody in the household it was it was his father and essentially his grandparents right the 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 riddle Um, side the rich people right yeah the rich people that's what it was Yeah. yeah so like that like that's that's the real that's the thing that should really define that character but then she muddies it with that essentially being a retcon like right. it starts with him being bad because he's trying to come back from the dead and he's evil right. and then it comes he's revealed to be well he's evil because he thinks pure bloods are the best and it's like also he killed his parents <laughs> or he killed his dad yeah i 
it gets convoluted, I guess is what I'm saying. Like the reason, like it, you're right. I mean, that's, that's a really great way to put it. The, the, the sense of retcon, the, the, yeah. the, the foundational introduction of Voldemort doesn't seem like it includes the things we later learn about him, much like right. a lot of <laughs> book six and seven. And that kind of takes away from the overall product. Well, and I'm I'm fine with like the process of revealing things slowly oh, sure. in, in a drawn out way, but these contra- kind they don't really contradict each other, but they don't really fit together either. They like, feel like they're like, oh, being, what if it's this later on? After yeah, it's everything like, is it's like published. let's just do both. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like having to find Horcruxes and Hallows in the same book when neither have been really addressed ever much before. <laughs> well, I guess yeah. Yeah, the last book addressed Horcruxes, like that was a big part of that book, but it was all leading into this book where then they also introduced another set of magical set of magical items that start with the letter H. Right. <sighs> yeah. The, hitherto had never been addressed before. Uh, my next note is page 743. Okay. And it's just me saying that I admit that I forgot that Draco had disarmed Dumbledore. Mm. I forgot that Draco had technically beaten him in a duel or whatever the rules for this wand magic are. Um, and I, and I liked, uh, I, I wished, I wish I could have said that I saw that twist coming and I didn't. Um, however, I feel like, uh, I want to clarify with you that we hadn't ever had any indication that wands have some sort of loyalty to the wizard who wins them before this book. I believe that is correct because Harry became very famous in book two on for disarming people and did not amass a a army of wands. Right. He's and, probably and disarmed Draco like, before. He disarmed Snape yes. and caught his wand in book three. I mean, fucking, you want to go through them all? Because Harry does this shit a lot and he should just be like wand master. Yeah, that's one of the things I was going to bring up. Like the idea that like... They even say at the beginning of the of this book or, or t- yeah, this book when they yeah, this book. Oh, look out for Potter. He has like the one that uses Expelliarmus. Yep. The one of the seven Potters that uses Expelliarmus must be the real one. Right. Because everybody knows that's the thing he does. Right. So but and so like not only does he not amass a collection of wands, which isn't necessarily what should happen at the end of a duel, but like that the other wands those people use aren't as good anymore. Like, is that the magic that happens? Like, that they just become basic? I'm not... Is that implied, or is that... That's what it's implied here with okay. Voldemort, where he, he like... Well, that's because it's the Elder wand. wand. It's special and different. Is it? Like, we know that Hermione's wand didn't work for her because she didn't win it. Like, the one that... Her burner. Right. Like, um, like it... And Harry was like, see, told you. See, told you this is a thing now. I'm working really hard to prove that it's a thing because we've never addressed it in any of the other six books. I will say, uh, I want to clarify, a long time ago, back before I understood everything I know about wand lore now, um, I think I was hinting that at the end of book six, Draco won the wand from Dumbledore. I forgot about when Harry bested Draco. Oh, I know where that is. No, 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 oh, no. At the, the point I brought this up way back early on. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought maybe that was why Harry's wand had done its magical thing right. in that early flight fight because he was the. I thought at that point um, he had beat Draco and won ownership no. of the Elder Wand, even though Voldemort was using a spare wand, didn't have Dumbledore's wand yet, and Harry was using his wand. I, I, I don't know. That's why I was very confused. Right. right. Um, okay. 
But I know Ooh. now it's a completely different situation. Want Horcrux, and yes. it's still very convoluted. It's very convoluted and hard to follow. And honestly, does it add much to the story? Does it make the story better to have all this shit in there? No. The one shit should have really stopped with Priori and Cantatum at the end of book four. Yes. That yes. should that should have been that device has been plumbed. We're done with it. We got to come. You could even come up with the Elder Wand, but don't do this other shit because that just got confusing. Yeah. Like, like, oh, Dumbledore needs the Elder Wand because his wand won't work against Harry Potter. What do we do? Dumbledore's got it. I said Dumbledore, didn't I? Voldemort needs the Elder Jesus. Now you've got me doing it again. Same guy. Same guy. Um, yeah. I, I agree. It, it makes It feels convoluted. It feels clunky. It feels cluttered mm-hmm. more than clunky, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, like trying to keep track of all the like very specific things. Like it feels like you're looking at someone. It's like you're looking at a shadow of someone juggling a bunch of things. And they're like, I promise this is all happening. <laughs> I promise I'm able to keep all these things in the air at the same time. And you're like, I, it's so many things. I can't even keep track. I don't know what that thing you're juggling is. It, I don't care. Can I, can the show be over? <laughs> <laughs> so close. Uh, I have another 743 and yep. it's 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 basically what I said before about like uh, they mentioned it earlier in this book that Expelliarmus was Harry's sort of signature spell. And I thought that it was kind of cool that when the final battle came, he got to he used that spell to disarm and, and, and defeat Voldemort kind of like a like kind of like a wrestler has their own signature yeah. finishing move that when you're in the you know, if you've been watching them wrestle for a while, you know, that move is their move. Like, when they do that thing, that's where all their power comes from. You can't get up from that move, even though it's just someone pushing you down. Like, you could never... How, how could you get up from that kind of thing? You that's can. what this... I like this. It. Is, this it is felt, him hitting felt, Voldemort with the chair. Yeah, exactly. It's it's the rock bottom. It's the stone-cold stunner. It's, it's all of them. It's great. Um, 744. Oh, my gosh. Are you done with this? You're done with this yeah, chapter, I'm done with right? this chapter, yes. Okay, um... So th- I, this was me, uh, this this is note is sort of, we kind of talked about this earlier, but this like, this didn't really end in much of a duel. It kind of ended in like a monologue, ec- like a secondary exposition dump. Mm-hmm. But this time Harry gets to be the one dumping. And I mean, he's been dumped on it, for it, seven it, books. It's time for him to <laughs> unleash yeah. it. He's he's learned from the best. Yes. <laughs> and now it's his time. Uh, but it, it's it's sort of like a James Bond ending, you know, where like you're sitting there just letting someone tell you about the story <laughs> that's happening. Like we talked about monologuing and it's not that, it's not that exciting, mm-hmm. but it's informative. Like it's that thing. It's just telling without showing and it's fine, I guess. I mean, the moment when it finally happens is like brief and unsa- it's not like, it's not really that unsatisfying. It's just more like, Oh, I guess it's over. That's okay. I guess it's over. <sighs> All right. So but- much for some, like, you know, you think about like, the fight in book five. Uh-huh. Was it book four? Which one's Goblet of Fire? Is that book four? Goblet of Fire is book four. The graveyard. You think about the fight that they had yeah. in in that was there was that one in the in the in the graveyard, right? Uh-huh. And then you think about the fight that Dumbledore and Voldemort have at the end of Order of the Phoenix. Uh-huh. Greatest wand fight in this in the film series. Yes. So fun. Yes. So cool. And then there's like no no wand fighting at the end of like Half Blood Prince. There's right. almost none. Well, um, he he shoots a couple at Snape who flings him away. So yeah, that doesn't count. You you get you get the Draco wand fight with right. the 
uh, Septum Sanctorum. Oh, yeah. oh, the, oh, no, in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the bathroom, yeah. Septum Sanctorum. Um, yeah, and uh, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. And in this one, you get like, I mean, I'm I'm gonna have to wait till we see the movie again, but like, it feels like the the wand fight. Like you have this whole epic big battle, and then you get the the big duel, like the 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 fucking Mustafar. Like you're gonna have the moment where it goes down. And then it's just like, and then like instead, I of, have the high ground, Voldemort. <laughs> and then instead of instead of Mustafar, you get Indiana Jones and the guy with the sword. <laughs> and it's like, oh, it's over. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, next notes, page seven forty-five. Uh, so the sword of Gryffindor is cool and all. But I think that now that the book's basically over, I think it's time to call a plot device a plot device and acknowledge it as a sort of saber ex machina. Like it. I think this is the fourth time it's come out of nowhere to save a character in the series. What's what's the 745 scene? Oh, just because because I think this is just snakes already decapitated. So is there something else with it? I don't think so, but I think this is just like the end of the chapter. Oh, I got, like, I got you. I got you. I, I got can, you. Like, I think I, I had this thought, and I was like, it, it belongs in this chapter because this is when the sure, sword comes out. Sure, it's, uh, it's. I mean, sometimes you need- I just, I, I, I guess my point is like, it's just time to acknowledge that it's a, it's a weak plot device. It's contrived. It's. I think that it's easy. It was easy for me to overlook it because I think the sort of Gryffindor is a cool concept. Mm-hmm. But the idea that built into the magic of the thing is I can literally write this into any moment I want because that's how I've written it to work. Well, is cheating. <laughs> it's fucking cheating. It's it's like the it's like the wand shit again from book four. It's yeah, this served its purpose in book two. Right. And you're, oh, you're, it's the ring, isn't it? That's the fourth one. The killing the basilisk, yeah. Dumbledore's ring, uh, the, killing the locket and Nagini. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not talking about just that either. I'm talking about also like the sword shows up in the lake. Yeah, it's killing the out locket. Of nowhere. Yeah, but I mean, yes, but like I'm talking specifically about ex- like getting it out of nowhere. Yes, no, I, like, no, yeah, I, you're right. Yes, it's. Uh, but I'm just saying. I, I was just trying to go through it in my head. Um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 at a certain point this stops being a fun callback and becomes a plot device. Right, and and that's you're exactly right. It's just like just like with the the wand shit. Um, you have all of magic, which is limitless, at your disposal to do something new. Yes, exactly. Do something new. Like there are no more. Like even even that idea. Like we talked about the last episode about fiend fire. Like this concept shows up out of seemingly out of nowhere. Right, is treated as if we could have should have known it all along, and. And it's then written off and never addressed again. Whereas this other thing that has been up heretofore the only solution besides a straight up basilisk fang, mm-hmm. which kind of feels odd that it's handled at the end like, well, of course we should have gone back and picked those up. Like those other bones <laughs> that are just sitting in there, uh, lying in the chamber forever. Um, but like, there's nothing else. There's nothing. There's no thing more powerful than Basilisk Venom nope. to destroy a Horcrux. Nope. Except Fiend Fire, which literally just destroys everything. Yes. Uh, okay, fine, I guess. It just seems lame. I. And you're telling me Hermione uh, couldn't have, like, built a cavernous chamber in her little purse, thrown all the accessible Horcruxes in there, and Fiend Fired into it? 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. It just seems dumb. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think. I, yeah, it does. You don't need to be sorry. It's I not feel, you. It's not I just, you. I feel bad. I feel bad because I feel like you had this whole wonderful world of Harry Potter in your head. Uh, that will be addressed. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. I, that, think, I, that moves us to the epilogue. Okay. Oh, well, no, actually, <laughs> a final overview of this chapter is, boy, that uh, was a lot of shit that just happened and a lot of things happened to a lot of characters that we have been with for a long time. So I'm sure we're going to get some processing of this trauma some dealing with it some seeing some immediate aftermath that brings us to the epilogue 19 years later (laughs) uh my first page note is 753 i don't specifically have a page note i'm just gonna run through mine then go for it (laughs) because they're probably not great yeah 753 boy these naming conventions (laughs) (laughs) yeah now that's what i call fan service uh, page 754. Okay. 19 years later and Slytherin is still the butt of the joke? Shit. <laughs> like, why? They they can't evolve in 20 years? They can't... Well, whose joke was it? It was the idea of, like, if... if uh, like I think Ron says, if you're in Slytherin, I'll disown you right. or something that, like that's, that. That's my point. 19 years later, they can't evolve? Maybe they have, but I don't think Ron could have. No, I don't think they have either because the kids seem to be making those jokes themselves about really like 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 harry's kids are like freaking out about the possibility of getting into slytherin that's the whole thing with little albus <sighs> no, you're right. is like he's like daddy please tell me you'll love me if i get sorted into slytherin and he's like of course i will you know albus fucking uh, this is one of those things like i don't even think i admitted to myself but when i first read this and i read albus severus i was like really yeah it's terrible these naming conventions are awful oh, it's, it's... They're, they're fucking hack they're so lame just uh, uh, it just just uh, I, I, I want to break this down. Uh, Ginny is a very strong person, personality. Does she get no mm-hmm. name in the or no say in the naming of their children? Well, she's defined by her husband. Well, that's a good point. Because when she got married, yes, that's no right. When she got married, her Patronus became a doe. Right, because of course. that is the way it is in my family. Yeah. In Harry's family, that's the way it goes. Yeah. And if you don't want to be a part of this family, then you can go take your disgusting Weasley blood somewhere right. else. You can go back but to in this a family, Weasley, or you want to be a Potter. Right. Potters are, are dear people. Because, <laughs> I mean, Jenny lost some people, too. It just seems like... Like Fred? Yeah. Like Albus Fred Potter? Albus Fred Potter. Or Frederick Albus Potter, which would make way more fucking sense. Fap. Because Albus is a stupid first name. <laughs> I mean, it's too many s's man Ugh. i don't know frederick albus potter sounds like a great it name. does it's a good name to wait except that like if you're already if you're already in that family like you probably don't want to refer, like you probably want to refer to fred as specifically fred like you probably don't really want someone else named fred because yeah. when you're talking about fred you have to talk about both like oh. they never referred to albus but they never referred to dumbledore as albus so they always refer to him as dumbledore so you can give albus as a first name sure. Because it's not, it's but not Fred, gonna get Al, Frederick Albus Dumbledore or Frederick Frederick Albus Potter sounds way better. Um, it does. Freddy. Really good. Yeah. yeah, Frederick. Just call him Frederick. Frederick. Just give him the full name. Yeah. Um, my my seven fifty six. Uh, Scorpius. I I can't help you with that. Scorpius Malfoy. You have to process on your own, like the rest of us. See, because because they're a dark family, the dark dark wizarding evil family, dark uh, sl- okay. sl- Slytherin. 
so in the in the first season of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, there's a recurring bad guy character whose name is Scorpina. <laughs> and that's the level of quality in these names mm-hmm. is power. I want to remind you that show gave us such long lasting and, and iconic characters as eye guy who's covered in eyeballs <laughs> and robo goat. Who's a robot goat. <laughs> So, you know, if that's the level that that we're we're shooting for, uh I got to say it's 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 uh it's just disappointing. Yeah. Um my last note. <laughs> this is it. 757 uh Fabian Pruitt's watch or ah I, I was just saying is that something I should have remembered? No. Well, it was it was weird that it got such a call out. I went right, I went exactly. back to look it up. Um what we either don't know or because it's she crams so much details into her chapters that we uh uh may have missed it molly's molly weasley's surname is pruitt she was molly pruitt before she married arthur when she gave harry his his birthday watch for his 17th birthday at the beginning of the book she said it belonged to my brother fabian he never took uh care of his stuff like he should have um i had to go back and look it up i'm like is that the watch we're talking about it was fabian she only says my brother Fabian. Here we say Fabian Pruitt. We learn Molly's surname via deductive work, I guess. Um, but that's that connection. This is Ron's uncle's watch that was given to Harry because he was the son she always wanted, as Ron knew when the Horcrux spoke to him. Right. Yeah. Um, it occurs to me that we... Uh, we well, One of the moments we didn't talk about yet is get away from my daughter you bitch oh shit you're right and um so when we started this podcast i mentioned so this is it's molly weasley's moment Mm -hmm. that's molly weasley coming in and having her end of the series triumphant she molly weasley the house mom gets to take down bellatrix who defeated sirius black killed sirius black like she gets one of the coolest takedowns in the in the series, and it's it's surprising because you're you're because you're not she's she's a, she's matronly right. she's a mother, you know, and that's not the like kind of character we expect to be to defeat the like the left hand of the arch villain, sure, or the right hand, whatever hand Voldemort is. Well, left hand is the sinister um, hand. So so it's it's a powerful moment. It's 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 impactful. Um. When we started this show, this podcast, and we got to uh, the introduction of the Weasley family, I think that really happens in book two. Um, I shared a story about my uh, a friend of mine when I was growing up, whose whose family was large, like they had five kids, um, and their mom was British, and she had this wonderful accent and she was very kind to me and always made me feel like my, I was welcome at the house. And it was the first time I ever had that experience. And like, I don't, I don't know if I have something wrong with me or whatever, but I have some sort of like, uh, hyper awareness of like awkwardness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I feel like that tends to put me in positions where like, 
I come off like someone who doesn't want to be included or come off as someone who doesn't want to be uh, welcomed or something like that. And I, I, I've, maybe I'm inventing it in my brain, but I never had that problem with their, with them. I never had that problem with her. And so she reminded me of Molly Weasley. Every time I, every time I saw the movies, every time I, uh, when I started reading her in the book, I was like, God, this is so much like her. And, and it, she was a very, you know, important person in my like middle school age time period. And, and after that and into high school, um, and she died th- th- this year. That's awful. Um, yeah, she uh, she passed away uh, earlier this year around around the time that COVID started really being a thing. And um, I don't have like a I don't I don't th- I'm fairly confident that what 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 happened with her uh, end of life w- was not COVID related, but because it was in that time period, it made her family, it gave challenges to her family mm-hmm. um, in terms of like how they could have their arrangements, how they could uh, go visit the, the like have the funeral and all this other stuff like traveling. They had to deal with more shit than just grieving. Yeah. And so it was really rough uh, for them. And I, uh, so in, in reading this, this last book, I got to that moment where you know, she she has her like really triumphant moment and her really like crazy, like last intense fight scene. And it just like it kind of made me choke up a little bit, sure. like like in a in an interesting way that I hadn't anticipated because I'd forgotten about that scene. Um, But also like. It. uh It's a really kind of tragic, like like bookend to that concept of my relationship with the Molly Weasley character. It gave you an emotional beat. It, it helps you connect with the book in a way you weren't. Well, it, it, and, and I don't know about that. I think it just struck me. It remind. it was like the book. It, it doesn't help me connect with the book itself. It just, the book causes me to have an emotional reaction to something that happened in my life. That's entirely separate sure. from the book. Um, I, I, <laughs> this is selfish, but like, I know that, my my very good friend who who her her, her son who at least for a while at least was listening to our show I'm not sure if he still is, but um. I know that like when that episode, aired when it, when we when we promoted or published that episode where I talked about that part of my relationship with these books, I feel like he was touched by that concept. That I had that relationship and, and association with his mom, mm-hmm. um. And I think he, I'm fairly confident that he reached out to me and said that he was going to try to find a way to get her to hear that. And there's a selfish part of me that hopes she did before, you know, the I end. I think that's that selfish. Be- I don't know. I feel like it is because, like, I don't, I didn't get it. I you know it's like the thing where it's like I didn't get a chance to really talk to her that much. Sure. Ever, like, after I, like, became an adult. But, like, it's that, it's that thing where, like, you don't get to tell people often things like that like there was no time or appropriate situation where i could tell her like the story i told on the show right because it like how do you how do you start that like how do you start that story like hey everybody let's have a conversation (laughs) about like this this feeling i have right oh that was that was out of left field and kind of random you're saying my introduction to the story was essentially a non sequitur 
uh, I understand. <laughs> but I think that if you if you listen to what I was saying, you'll hear the emotional significance in what I said, and that will mean that what I said wasn't weird or out of place. Um, so I I hope that she got a chance to hear that. But again, it's like if she didn't, it doesn't change the fact that she had an impact on no, my absolutely life. Absolutely, yeah. she was she was amazing a- anyway. But you and so like I mean, you 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 felt a strong connection with her. And that would be a way to, like you said, tell that story. I don't think that's selfish. I think that would just be a way of letting her know, you know, uh, the impact she had on you. Yeah. Which I think is cool. Yeah, thanks. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. uh, I'm glad that Molly Weasley in the books didn't meet a tragic end. (laughs) Like that, that would have been a bit too much for me, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so like even in this last moment, like the Molly Weasley's like moment of fighting Bellatrix, it's like it just remind it, it kept reminding me of her, you know, like even in those moments where like she she was a very kind and wonderful woman. But like I ha- I have this very strong feeling that she would have fiercely fought for her kids mm-hmm. and was a tenacious and uh, savvy woman. Formidable. And I exactly formidable that's a great word much so much like this character like i guess that's the other thing is that like while those were the elements of my experience with her that connected me to the connected her to the molly weasley character for me mm-hmm. as a child as a, as a as a middle schooler it's this appreciation for how tough a woman who raises five kids has to be absolutely like to to that gets her gets her moment in these books you know in that same way to like be that really strong woman that uh, I guess it brings it around full circle. It's like, yeah, she like, you know, she gets, she gets this, this very real and wonderful woman in my life actually gets this sort of totem in Molly Weasley. Um, you know, absolutely. Forever. Yeah. So that's, so anyway, that's, I think that's the end of that story. <laughs> um, what else do we got? Oof. <laughs> We haven't at this point even uttered the words book rap party, series rap party. Holy crap, you're right. That's that's on me. No, it's fine. No, I, I mean, I failed. <laughs> um, I did have one last note. Okay. Um, 19 years later, um, 19, J.K. Rowling, I, uh, up until a very specific point, seemed to be a big fan of Stephen King. Right. I don't know where that lies now. Don't care. Um, 19 became a very important number in Stephen King's Dark Tower series. Okay. Kind of, um, emblematic of a lot of things. And he, he, he definitely worked it in on purpose in a, in a numerology kind of way. Um, I was just wondering if 19 years later was a reference to that or if that Mm. helped influence it because that book was written in 2004, the final Dark Tower book. And it just made me, uh. Just because I, I, I spiral out and you know try to connect things, uh, that made me wonder if that was one of those. Yeah, um, I thought of it like I was trying to do the math on how old those people were, mm-hmm. and when they started having kids, and like if they're 19 years later and the kids have to be 11 before they go to Hogwarts, and that means that eight years after they graduated high school, they had kids. Uh, except or at minimum, minimum, at minimum, minimum, probably so six. Like, more like. Yeah, more like six. Yeah. And I was just thinking, twenty six. Let's let's say you're twenty when you get out of. So you're twenty four, maybe. Yeah. Harry Harry was probably like between twenty four and twenty five when he had his first kid. Uh-huh. A lot of people have that's fucking 
young, dude. <laughs> like <laughs> people. I mean, he's he's lived a life. Yeah. He's certainly. I mean, he robbed a bank and broke into the Ministry of Magic in the same four day period. So yeah. he's 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 been around the block. Uh, Wait, he broke into the ministry and robbed a bank in four days? Oh, maybe not. They... No, he had a whole summer, okay, man. Fine. He just spent the whole fine. year. Like... Fine. But if you watch the movies, it all happens within one day, so shut up. He <laughs> he, uh, f- he steals... He, he robs a bank and defeats the, the, the Dark Wizard. He defeats Lord Voldemort in the same day. Mm-hmm. That's true. See, there you go. Most same 36-hour He destroys, period. like... He has, like, four Horcruxes destroyed in, like, 24 hours after spending a whole year looking for all of them. So he probably spends a couple of years traveling the world with Jenny and then uh, decides it's time to settle down. Uh, yeah, it just seems... seems I guess, young. I don't know. It seems young. He doesn't seem to go to college, I guess. He doesn't, oh, there's, there's no wizarding co- I don't, colleges? I don't think there's wizarding college. I what mean, a life. Yeah, I think... Uh, I, everything I know about their life after this is apocryphal, and some of it pisses me off, so... <laughs> We're not going to go into that. Okay. Um. So yeah, I think that's my final note. Note. Um. There was something you said that you is this is this where we're going to talk about final thoughts of the whole series? Yeah, sure. Having this read through. Yeah. <sighs> I really have appreciated your perspective on these books. Um. I think I had been doing what a lot of people... I, I read these not as young as a lot of other people, but pretty young. Um, well, and on, but I, 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 the early years of reading these, um, read them with just kind of a, a young, fervent energy of um, you know, wish fulfillment and when this had been fun to do in school and let that carry me through every subsequent reread, not examining anything too closely, just kind of a... a um, a rote call. It was it was a callback. It was an instant nostalgia to back when I first read mm-hmm. these. So I didn't apply a lot of critical thinking that I would have had I read them as an older person. Um, I just got to go back instantly into that mindset and have fun every time. And there's an element of putting away childish things, I think, with uh, reading through and discussing them um, with your uh, older perspective that I, I kind of appreciate because I'm like, oh shit, there's a lot here that I was just not critically thinking about. And so it was kind of, I, I mean, I still have, there, there's an affection for the fun I had. That's not diminished by talking about some of the thornier issues in these, in which I discovered there are a few. Um, <laughs> that's still there, but I can go ahead and, and, and mature a little bit and go, yeah, but... <laughs> There's some other things that, and I, and I just appreciate that. I appreciate, I've appreciated your perspective on these books. Well, I appreciate your appreciation. I, uh, um, so as I finished it, I definitely had this sort of like pang of like, like loss, like, Oh, it's over. Right. Like we were, we did, we started doing this thing as like a lark as sort of like a fun thing. And we kept doing it and we kept doing it <laughs> <laughs> and we, kept doing it and then it became a thing we were just doing and and it like i i think that in spite of all my criticisms and my critical thinking as you put it um my like analysis and critiques i have found myself in spite of all of that 
still turning these books into horcruxes for myself, you know, mm-hmm. still turning them into these little memory palaces, sure. still turning them in like, like we have the podcast, mm-hmm. you know, like we could re-listen to the, our own podcast and relive the experience of rereading these books. But, and, and for a while, I think I said, I said things like, I don't see myself ever rereading this and I don't know if I will, right. but like now that I've actually finished reading through them, I have my own emotional ties to them and they will bring, if I read through them again, they'd bring up memories of conversations and asides that we'd had. And that, that is, is kind of precious in its own way. It certainly is. And that, that is like, so I have this sort of weird feeling about like thinking about rereading them again and, and like, not like, like I'm not like gonna do it Mm. right away, but like, a couple episodes ago, earlier in this book, I think I, I made some comments about like, fuck it, I'm never going to do that again. Because it's just, especially in the way, I think one of the things I had to realize is that in the, and I've said this in other episodes, but the process by which we read these books is not normal. The way we went through and and, and compartmentalized and segmented these stories out isn't how you're supposed to read True. them. You're kind of supposed to just burn through them as quickly as you can mm-hmm. because they're huge they're not incredibly well crafted in terms of there's some stuff I want to give her credit by the way especially through reading a lot of these she really does write well in certain ways how so she 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 does in like she has the capacity she she's very adept at her ability to communicate the story's progression and i don't know if i'm expressing that as clearly as i feel like it's it is clear to me in reading it but something as simple as just like constructing sentences in a way that let you know what's happening. And by that, I kind of just mean writing like she's pretty good at that. Mm-hmm. And and that's not something that is innate in everyone. It's not something that everybody has the capacity to do. I have issues myself where I uh, if I write something, I have to reword it in many times mm-hmm. because my normal way of constructing words in my brain isn't the best sure at least it doesn't feel like it is when it's written on paper when i read it i go what's wrong with how i talk why am i speaking like this it sounds ludicrous it sounds horrible like i'll do things like i'll criticize myself for using the word that twice in a sentence and i saw her in the last couple paragraphs or pages excuse me last couple chapters do that a couple times and i was like see she's doing it (laughs) she's doing it it must be fine if she's doing it I mean, there's there's an element I think when when you're criticizing your own writing of of being like the person standing at the bus stop or acting on stage, you're like, what do I do with my hands? Uh, I can't be right, right. natural. Like, just it's fucking do it, just natural. Use that twice, but you can't being hyper self conscious, yes. right? Yeah, but but she so she but she as much shit as I give her for not having the tightest plots or having like contrivances or cliches or you know the. Uh, unresolved like significant plot concepts that she should <laughs> that she's so so dumb for not addressing or doing correctly um there's there's lots of stuff there but really she is at the end of the day i have to i mean it doesn't mean anything for me to say this to anybody but me just having completed this you know quest but she she is a good writer like she is in in what makes a good writer like i'm not i don't even want to say like the bare minimum but like she moves a story along. She tells a good story. Mm-hmm. She really does. She tells a good story, whether or not it's the tightest, as I said before, etc. I don't know, but she does tell a good story. So I'll give her that. Um, 
but like I had some concepts early on, like uh, before we finished this book about thinking like, do I even want to keep these books in my house? Like, do I even want to have like, they're huge. They take up a lot of space. Are they that important to me? And now I don't know. Now I'm like, my first thought was like, I don't know if I'm going to do it or not. And now I'm kind of like, well, I kind of, I I don't know. Maybe I want to keep them around. Like maybe like, and that's that, but that's, I think one of the things about these books that I said before that makes them so powerful is they become a trophy. They become an accomplishment because they're so big. But then they also become like a, a a a portal. They become like a port key to a memory of a time when I already when I did when I read them before. Mm-hmm. And there and it's not just me. It's for everybody who reads them. I, like you've you've read them so many times. I'm sure like you have compounded memories on reading oh, sure. them and like have have these uh, have many thoughts about different things that happened when you read them at different times in your it's life. Like, and it's like, like going to a pen sieve and then going to a memory in the pen sieve. And then yeah. one more later to its inception. <laughs> <laughs> Pinception. Of course. Of fucking course. It was right there. <laughs> yeah. And, and like there there there's value in all of that. And like and that's the thing that I think really makes her a really good writer is that everybody who's read these books, they're so accessible. Mm-hmm. They're so accessible emotionally, conceptually, visually, that that's what makes them so appealing to so many people. The world itself of Harry Potter is a world people want to live in, despite all the horribleness <laughs> in it, despite all the stuff that if you really thought about it, even these characters don't really acknowledge it. Like I think I was watching again, the the half blood prince last night and they, in it at some point, someone says something like, Oh, well he's at Hogwarts. He'll be safe at Hogwarts. And I'm like, why would anyone say that ever is the worst place to be. It's the it's the most dangerous. Yes, people don't die there that often, but I've never is the only story I've ever heard about a kid at school who had to have his bones regrown. Mm-hmm. And that isn't a one time thing <laughs> like you guys have bone regrowing stuff because it happens. Nose broken. I swear it was a skull cracked at one point. Uh, the last book of Draco stomps on his face yep. and breaks his nose and Luna has to fix it even though she says he's sort of rugged or whatever with it. Right. Um, there's uh, Neville breaks his arm. Mm-hmm. First book. Yeah. Ron gets uh, poisoned in twice in, in one night. Uh, he gets love potioned in the last book oh, right. and then poisoned like a minute after well, being cured of the love potion. Breaks his leg in book three. Yep. Uh, um, he gets, he, he gets exploded off of a, a wizard's chest night. <laughs> Knocked um, out, unconscious. That's we know that's not good. You can't just knock somebody out and have no repercussions. Oh, speaking of that Easter egg in in uh, in Half Blood Prince, one of the soldiers from the wizard chest thing are in the room of requirements in a one shot. Oh, cool! It's really cool. Really, that's cool. really cool. I don't think I have ever noticed that. Yeah, didn't notice any sort of tiaras in there though when I was watching it. Just saying. Yeah, I think I was even looking when I went to see the movie in the theater, and I was like, oh, it's not tiara. There's, there's lots of silly allusions to the Deathly Hallows, like a bunch of triangles with circles in them and stuff like that, but not a lot of other things. Anyway, yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I don't feel like I've been wrong with any of my criticism at the end of this. I, I'm disappointed in the book series overall because I wanted, I feel like it, it let me down in not being able to do the things I feel like it should have done. Right with the with the subjects it broached it didn't address them in a satisfactory manner by the end of the series mm-hmm. and that 
is not, I guess that's the thing is it's not my fault. Like that's what I have to come to terms with is like, there's a part of me that wants to be like, is there anything more I could have done to give these books a chance? And I don't feel like there is, I've read them all. I read, I read the series and there's some serious stuff that's heavy, almost endorsement of concept that isn't addressed and Mm -hmm. it's not cool. So yeah, I, uh, I, I, at the end of the day, I'm glad we read them. I'm grateful for this experience. I, I have a hard time. <laughs> so many things about doing this with you that was that are great, but like one of the biggest ones is I do have a hard time keeping track of all these little nuancey things. <laughs> and you seem very good at it, and I am so grateful that you I had you there to, to just be able to be like, hey, what was this? And you're like, well, what's this? It's right there. And it's like great. It's like it's like you're a Harry Potter Alexa. Or I could just be like, <laughs> like. Hey Rob, uh, when did Harry Potter? When did Voldemort's family get that ring? And you're like, oh well, Harry Potter. Or when did yeah, Voldemort's family is actually related to the pr- or whatever? And I'd be like, cool, thanks, thanks Alexa, <laughs> thanks Rob. Turn off. Podcast not brought to you by Amazon. It's not brought. I dude, in this episode, I've shit on Tim Cook. <laughs> I'm making fun of Amazon. We're gonna get we're gonna get drones outside of our houses watching us. I didn't shit on Tim Cook. I will take all those free Apple products. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know what else to say. Um, Do you have any new words? Do I have any new words? Do I have any new words? Let's find out. <gasps> that brings us to a new word alert. All right, you ready? Yep. Mooney. 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 I believe I used that word earlier. Um, and it's not just a werewolf nickname? Uh, you're correct. It's more than that. Uh, is it? I've always I've always at least thought I've uh, understood it to be infatuated with somebody. Gaga. I'm mm-hmm. Mooney for that boy. Yeah, I think that's, I think it's in these chapters. Um I think hmm. maybe it's not, but Tonks was certainly it, Mooney for Lupin. Right. It's, it's an adjective that the fourth definition is kind of what you're saying. Okay. Wow. It, which is dreamy or moonstruck okay. is what it says. The first definition is of or relating to the moon. Hmm. The second definition is crescent shaped or resembling the full moon. Hmm. And the third definition is moonlit. Finally, dreamy or moonstruck. So uh, the, all the definitions. Yeah. The last one is one that I'm, I, I, I should have known, but like I had to look it up just to be sure. And that's precocious. Precocious. This is a word that's used so often and I have used, but I've never actually sat down to define. And I know I use it in a way that means... I don't think it's exactly right. I feel like it's used to describe uh, rambunctious, outspoken, full of life, sort of a hmm. Venn diagram in the middle of all those three. But what do you have? Well, in here, the definition is an adjective that means exceptionally early in development or occurrence. Okay. So, and by early in development, you mean coming to those qualities early? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or it could be like, like nascent. How we've we've discussed that word before. Someone with a large um, vocabulary at a young age would be precocious. 
or I think it's someone who's developing a who's newly developing a large vocabulary. So oh, okay. That's the problem oh, with, with okay. early is it's like it's like saying you're a novice. Like oh, oh, oh I was thinking not, early in not age. Not necessarily that yeah, like not necessarily that you're a wunderkind, but right. like that you are beginning your tutelage. Okay, that that makes a lot of sense. But here's the trouble. The second definition is exhibiting mature qualities at an unusually early age. Hmm. So it's like both. Mm-hmm. A lot of words do that, though, which is annoying about language. Yeah, that's... All it takes well, is irregardless. Enough... Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I had to get the exact word, yep. <laughs> didn't I? I think my trouble with, with precocious is that, to me, it will be forever linked with supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Mm. If if you say it loud enough, oh yeah, yeah. My father gave my nose a tweak and told me I was bad. Right. Yeah, it's in my head because of that song forever. Sure. So it's like that's what I mean. But like the that's, word is, I know that word. That's what I know the where I know brothers that word do from. to you, man. Oh, those brothers. All right, man. Do you have anything else to say about Harry Potter or this thing? No, I don't think. I don't think I do. I think. I think it is. I think it is done. It is finished. Well, then are you ready for the pageantry of what we're going to read next? I'm so excited. So this is how this is going to work. Okay. A little bit of pageantry. I have gathered six potential books. Holy shit. For us to read next. But I haven't chosen the book that we're going to read next. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you what the six books are. Okay. And we're going to stew on them for a second and just take it in. Okay. And then I'm going to roll a D6. <laughs> and we're going to deter- and I'm going to have assigned each of these books a number. Okay. And then the D6 will determine which book we get. Okay. This isn't any D6. This D6 is the is my D6 that I got at my bachelor party from the Venetian Hotel in Las Vegas where my bachelor party boys and I went and this I, I bought each of us a one dollar retired craps die from the hotel. So this is a fully balanced and weighted and le- and gambling legal like die. This is this is a proper chance cube. This is a proper chance cube, exactly. Okay. Um, and it's also, it's a bit of a horcrux too, cause it's imbued with these, with this memory mm-hmm. and this emotions and stuff like that. Um, so we're going to use, we're going to use this one to okay. determine it. So a lot of gravitas. Are you ready to know what is on the docket? What are the possible stories? I've never been more ready. <laughs> okay. Number one, coming in at number one, we have Stephen King's Carrie. Ooh, okay. At number one. Number two, we have a J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. I want to clarify because I don't know if I've done this yet. I haven't read any of these books before. That's right. the prerequisite for these books is that I have not read any of them before. Okay. Rob may have. I, I've so far I've read both of those. Yes. Oh, that's our that's our model. <laughs> Coming in at number three. We have Ernest Klein's 
Ready Player One. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a book I have strong like for, um, though I was able to read that with a slightly more critical eye and have heard some uh, uh, interesting <laughs> arguments about sense and don't disagree with them. Go ahead. Well, some would argue that uh, uh, that maybe the the number three on a on a d six has the higher probability of coming up. Oh, interesting. So, so maybe we'll see. We'll see. Coming in at number four uh-huh. is Yahtzee Croshaw's "Will Save the Galaxy for Food." It's a great title. I've never heard of that book. I I think I bought this book like relatively inexpensively from a comic book dealer uh-huh. of some kind because it's published by dark horse uh-huh. uh i don't know anything about it i think that i saw the title and i thought this seems like a nathan fillion kind of show uh, movie it, it seems I mean, it, 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 the guy on the cover looks like nathan fillion it sounds like it looks like uh like firefly-esque it, it, it's described as being fun neither of us have read it never it'd be a, that would be a whole new experience it would be a whole new thing it's it's also one of the books it's probably the book on our list that's the least well known yeah. so it'll be it'll be podcast fool's gold if we get it um <laughs> coming in at number five bram stoker's dracula Ooh, epistolary i butchered that word <laughs> <laughs> and then finally at number six on the d6 slot is Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park. There she fucking is. Oh, my God. I've been waiting. I'm like, it's got to be in there. Oh. Oh. What's what's that? The first episode of that new Netflix show today, and the theme has been in my head all day. So this... It's like a, it's like a release because I'm like, is, it gonna, is it going to be part of it? Is it, is it going to bring it up? Is it, is it going to be Jurassic Park? Is it going to be Blade Jurassic Park? Is Jurassic Park on the list? So just knowing it's out there, man, it makes everything a little bit better. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, that's why I saved it for last. Sure. So, I guess without uh, further Germanic words, like adieu, is that, is that French or German? I don't remember. Well, adieu is French, but adieu is, I believe, English, as in much ado about nothing. And without Damn further, it, I don't adieu. know anything about words. It's okay. I'll, don't start worry, the, but... I'll start that over. <laughs> oh, I like it. I just feel embarrassed now. Without further French, Romance language, Germanic. Shakespeare. Without any... Shakespearean without any any further delay uh let's do this now um I'm thinking about arranging your camera so that you can see it land okay so let me do that all right you should Um, be able to see my uh oh yeah okay yep okay ready yep here goes ladies and gents Oh, 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 fuck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> that was meant to be. <laughs> that, okay. uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is the sound of a of a a, a gambling legal Las Vegas certified D six landing on six. Oh. Which means that the next thing we read is going to be Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park. <sighs> it was seven books coming. <laughs> it's been the entire time of us doing this show. Coming. A series 70 episodes in the making. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Fantastic. That is, I, that is very, very exciting. I was going to be excited for any of these, 
but you know, I just feel like I I don't know what else to say. It's 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 meant to be apparently. Yep. Either that or I'm gonna die soon, and this is one of those like you got to read it before you die. Like, <laughs> not, like the the fates wouldn't let me die without reading this. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, sorry to the uh, runners ups, but uh, it's an honor to be nominated. Yeah, and and you know you're not. I don't think they're gonna go off the list when we get done with Jurassic Park. No. So yeah, I I kind of like this version of the of the choosing method. This is a great model. I like model. this sort of. I like the sorting mm-hmm. as you will. Um, maybe that's what we should call Natural it. Natural selection. I don't know. Um, it's more chaos theory if sure. you think about it. Um. <laughs> anyway, uh, man, I think that's it. I'm excited to move on to something new. Uh, I'm excited to move on to something. I want to thank the people who have listened to the show this entire time, which I'm sure there are six of you. At this point, we've gone up from four to six. I, we've got it has, it. has to have. Has um, to have. If if you if you've come back to listening to us, thank you so much. If you are listening to us and this is your English is not your first language, thank you so much for listening. If you are in another part of the world other than the United States where we we do this show where we're based, thank you so much for listening. Thank you all for your patience and your tolerance and your continued interest. And if you are a person who listens to this episode not on the week it premieres if you are uh, hopefully down the line we have more listeners at some point <laughs> and you are catching up uh thanks for for burning through these episodes in a couple weeks yeah. like uh, i hope i hope you guys enjoy it i hope that it's not awful and please you know reach out to us on social medias um we're there <laughs> um we we want to talk to you so give us some shout outs and please uh remember to rate and review us on apple podcasts uh, especially because reviews really help yeah. like reviews of the show really help other people find us you don't even have so, to write a, a huge litany although that's nice too but just a, a, a lovely five-star rating yeah exactly think of us like your uber driver like you're not going to give him less than four right like come on come on come on give him five um we brought we literally have brought you to the destination we are at the end of the books well, yeah, but we're also going to bring, we're going to take you to some more books too. Well, yeah, I mean, we're still working, man. Yeah. Yeah, the places to go. Yeah. The point is we got you there safely. Yeah. yeah. And maybe you had some free waters. Maybe, I don't know. This metaphor is weird. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 you got, you didn't get to pick the radio station, but. <laughs> we did. You, no, we can't. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, anyway, I, I, is that it? That, I think, we, that, I think, I, that's it. Dang. All right, ladies and gents, uh, I think that was Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much. I'm the Half-Blood Prince. (laughs) You dare use my own spells against me? (laughs) It's it's pretty good. You gotta get that, like, um... I don't have it. I don't have one. That orange crush slash skittle spit bubble in your throat to do it properly. (sighs) Oh, oh. See, right? You know what I'm talking about. Obviously. This ad is brought to you by us. Or this show is... Fuck. I fucked it up. I'll cut that off at the end. This ad. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. Jesus. Um...